This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is WWE NXT superstar Dominic Dijakovic and you are feasting your ears on the Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 210. Still able to recite pi to 10 decimal points. Happy Pi Day, everyone. My name is Nick Howell. And welcome to the boring apocalypse. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and yes... That's right. We had a very interesting week in professional wrestling, and I guarantee it's only going to get more interesting thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. Good times, everybody. Good times. Good time to uh, sit inside and listen to, to some wrestling. Watch some wrestling, listen to some podcasts, and chill. I wish we all could do that. I've actually got to go out into the, uh, the zombie hordes tonight and pour <laughs> drinks. So that's going to be very interesting. Very interesting indeed. But until then... We're going to do our show here, Nick. This is the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If, you, if it's your first time listening, welcome. If you're, well, if you're coming back, welcome back. Uh, and if you didn't know, Nick's about to tell you a whole bunch of ways you can interact with the show and better your experience. Nick, do some housekeeping, please. Yes, thank you very much, sir. Ian Dangerous, head over to Facebook and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook, like our page, and send us a join request to get into the group. Uh, we'll post all kinds of fun memes, news stories, uh, and it also you'll find links to our Discord server where we have live chats all throughout the week for every single episode of wrestling across all promotions, as well as dedicated chat channels for all pay-per-views. The Discord is the place to be. We talk about movies, music. Uh, all kinds of good stuff as well over on our Discord server. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can find links in the description down below. Thank you guys for joining. You always make those chats very, very lively. You can also join us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live right here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Uh, thank you guys for subscribing and for all of the stuff. We hit all of the milestones. All of them. We've hit except for one. Oh, well, oh, except for one. We need My that heart. subscriber number. We hit all the watch time go. measurements. We hit all the other measurables that they make you meet. We've just got to get to 1,000 subscribers. And we're, oh, we're so close. <laughs> 70, I think it's 77% were there. 700 subscribers plus we're at right now 
Oh my God, you guys, if you've been with us for the long haul, you know how this grind has been for the last eight months as we've really ramped up this channel. Thank you guys it's for all of your support. It's just inertia. It's inertia. Once it gets going, it's gonna, it never goes Yeah, there, there's a hockey stick that happens once you hit 1,000. So the sooner we get there, the sooner this thing really ramps up and starts taking off on YouTube. So thank you guys for continuing to share uh, our episodes. Pass the word around to all of your friends and family. Love you guys for it. Please subscribe. Help us get there. We're trying to meet that goal by the time we get to WrestleMania. We'll see what happens if we do. Might have a surprise for you. Last but certainly not least, shout out to all of our patrons, the phenomenal ones. You guys are amazing. Thank you for giving your hard-earned money every single month to support this little show talking about the wrestling. We love you guys for it. And if you guys would like to get in on some of that, patreon.com slash BWO. It is the best way to support the show if you are looking for a way to do so. Uh, you get access to exclusives that you can't get anywhere else, such as a copy of the show notes uh, for every single episode. The ability to ask listener questions for our patron mailbag series that we'll be doing today immediately after this show. And you can get access to bonus episodes, such as Nick Booking that's coming up uh, very soon. Yes, it is coming. I know I've been saying that for a few weeks now, but it is coming. It is coming. It is coming. Uh, and you're, <laughs> the Ugh. rewrite has been a lot of fun, and it's made me take it up to 11. So, Oh, God. Yeah, Ian, you're in trouble. Strap in, folks. Beer. Because we are, with, the, with all the news rattling around, what's going on with WrestleMania, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, maybe Nick Booking becomes the, the big show this year. I don't know. We'll see. Could be something. Don't, I don't know. Don't get high on your own supply, man. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out you've been, there you've as, been an, as an up alternative. You've inside too long. I have. I have. Uh, it is the time of the introverts, folks. Stay indoors, <laughs> play some video games, and watch some wrestling. Ta -da! We've been preparing for this for <laughs> We've years. We've been preparing for this. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. But, guys, uh, we have a lot to discuss today, as we always do on Saturday. Big, big, huge week Ooh. to talk about wrestling. But we have to start things off with a lot of big news. Yeah, let's be clear. This week, the big news is is kind of going to be the show, Nick. Like, we can go through all of the other shows this week, and some crazy stuff yeah. happened over there. It was a very odd week, and it looks like it's going to get just more odd as things go forward, because, of course, if there's one thing you're not supposed to do right now, it's gather in large groups of people. And what is wrestling but large groups of people gathering <laughs> to watch sweaty people <laughs> fling sweat everywhere and breathe hard? So that's probably not the best thing you want to be doing during a pandemic outbreak where transmission is done through the air. And they didn't get that memo on AEW this week with beer sharing, but we'll get to that. Well, he and uh, we are going to get to the, about the beer sharing thing because that was something the Hangman has actually addressed. Okay. Uh, but the big news is WrestleMania. Obviously, everything and all shows are in jeopardy now of being canceled. But WrestleMania is still happening amid the coronavirus fears. Uh, but that's only because Florida hasn't shut it down yet, and uh, the government may yet take matters into its own hands. Um, WWE released a statement on Thursday saying that they wanted to go through with the show. That was two days ago. But they're working on contingency plans. Meanwhile, um, the governor, the, the sheriff, the uh, Hillsborough County Sheriff, Chad Cronister, said that he hopes WWE does that. He says, I commend every sports franchise for erring on the side of caution. I hope the WWE follows suit. I don't ever want to see people put profit over public safety. Which is hilarious. Like, do you, dude? Do you know the WWE? Good lord. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so it, it, I, it, I feel like it's one of those things where Vince is just going to let the government uh, force it to. But he's got an idea of what he's going to do right now. 
Yeah. Uh, it could be an empty arena WrestleMania. They could move WrestleMania. They could postpone WrestleMania and try to hope that this blows over in a reasonable amount of time. Um, I'm I'm hearing two months is what I'm hearing, two to three months uh, until things start to get back to normal. But uh, yeah, which would be a long time. It's also right now, this is devastating for indie wrestling. The loss of uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, for indie wrestling is is a really bad one. Um, well, before and, you get into uh, this, I want to say one thing real quick. I did watch the live stream of the Hillsborough County, Florida, which is where Tampa is, Tampa and Tampa Bay. Uh, I did watch the live stream of that, where they were passing yeah. the motions around of what to do. And the, the, the TLDR cliff notes are, we're not going to take out. We have to renew our motion every seven days. So we're three weeks out. We have to renew this. What, whatever our decision is today, it has to be, we have to revisit it every seven days and re-vote on it again. So that's a good news. That's a good thing. The fact yeah. that they're going to do this a weekly basis. The other thing is, is that they canceled, they, they shut everything down and gave everybody except WWE, or they gave WWE an exclusion. Not right. everybody else that you're getting ready to rattle off that was planned around, that always plans their events around WrestleMania weekend around the big show. So I wanted to throw that in there as well as it was interesting that WWE got an exception, but nobody else did. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, on top of that now, it's like they're playing a bit of a game of chicken uh, to steal a line from, from Vice.com. Like that, that's how it feels, is they're yeah. kind of like, who's going to blink first? Yep. Um, so it's the the problem is is as, as we were about to say, uh, there's a ton of indie wrestling shows that were supposed to be on the same weekend as WrestleMania, and pretty much all of those look like they're going to get canceled. Um, first of all, I'm just going to run down everything that's been affected at this at this point that we know of. Everything that like just a bunch of stuff. Uh, WWE's canceled its weekend house shows in Ohio and Toronto. Uh, as we saw this week, Friday Night SmackDown was in the Performance Center with no crowd and a limited, like a skeleton crew running it. So much that Triple H had to like do five different things. Uh, Raw is now canceled as well. It's going to be in the Performance Center as well. Whether or not it will still be Stone Cold Steve Austin Raw, we don't know, but uh, it will still it will be in the Performance Center, much like how SmackDown was. Uh, AEW has moved their Rochester show this week to Jacksonville with restricted attendance. Uh, and they're also saying blood and guts, which they've been building towards is going to be restricted attendance as well. The issue with AEW is they're not cash rich like WWE. WWE, this is going to sting, but it isn't going to kill them. AEW was running on a budget that would allow them to break even at the end of their first year. So missing out on some of these big shows could be really, really tough for them. Um, I'd be wor more, they, more worried if there weren't a couple billionaires behind them, but I get your point. Yeah, but even billionaires have to look at business, so sure. it's it's it is it's still worrisome for them. It's not a it's not a good look. They wanted to come out financially looking strong. Um, Blood and Guts was supposed to be taking place in Newark. Obviously, they postponed post, they postponed that and maybe moving it to a different place. Uh, the Newark show that uh, as actually they've said they will come back to Newark in July. Um, and they're going to, if you had tickets for the existing Newark show, they're going to let you use the tickets for that show. Okay. So that's cool of them. Ring of Honor, uh, they canceled their 18th anniversary show last night and their past and present show tonight. PWG here in L.A., they've pushed Kobe back from March, March 29th. That's, uh, Kobe was their next big uh, show. 
that was supposed to happen March 29th. Now we don't know when it's going to happen. They just said it's pushed back. We'll, we'll let you know later when it's going to be. Uh, Scrapper Mania 6, David Starr versus Moxley. Uh, that was supposed to be tonight. Nope. David Starr can't catch a break, man. He was, uh, he was supposed to face Jeff Cobb at PWG, too. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's got two major matches that everyone wanted to see. They got canceled. Evolve 147 and 148. I know we had some listeners who were going to that. That got pushed back to May, uh, which is a real bummer. Keith Lee was supposed to show up for that. Uh, backstage, FS1 has shut down at studios. So they can't film backstage. So the next episode of Backstage that CM Punk was supposed to be on, gone, canceled. Uh, and even the XFL, even Vince's XFL, cannot catch a break. They have canceled the rest of their 2020 season. They're going to suspend play. Uh, they did not rule out that they might come back for the playoffs, but it looks like this season is done. They are going to pay their players and all their staff uh, as though the season had gone on, so that's really cool of them. But, uh, yeah, XFL looks like it's done. Um, and even UFC and Bellator are going to have empty arena shows this weekend. Um, and it, it goes beyond wrestling. Uh, Fast and the Furious 9 has been pushed back to 2021, which is, I, I, that's a real head scratcher. I'd love to know why that movie got pushed back a year. Reshoots and post to, because they're shutting down. Here, I'll tell you why. If I can jump in here on you real quick. You no, and I, please. You and I have a lot of friends that work in the business. I'll yes. do air quotes and say in the business of entertainment in L.A. Uh, one of mine uh, happens to work in the costume and wardrobe department at Warner Brothers. Okay. Uh, she was working on a particular show, and it just got shut down for two weeks up to a month. The studios themselves are closing down. Uh, the memo that went around to senior officials within Warner Brothers said that it's likely in major markets that grocery stores are going to halt and that they got this, uh, what was it? They just wanted to give a heads up in the off chance that all more things start getting shut down. So it doesn't surprise me that they're shutting down production on projects because the, the studios themselves are based there in Los Angeles, Warner Brothers in Burbank. Uh, Paramount down in, in L.A., uh, all of them, right? They're all going to be shutting down operations. So, yeah, these we have to remember that there's good, hardworking folks behind the camera as well. It's not just about the stars that are in front of the camera that you see on the screen. There's right. thousands upon thousands of people that, that do things from catering to wardrobe to makeup to camera to you name it. Yeah. Uh, that are all affected by this. It's and not it's, just the shiny, the shiny outside of the car. It's all the gears and pistons and and axles inside that are now like being pulled out and like we can't work. The it, car ain't going to run it's, without it, that. Fast and the Furious Nine isn't going to get made because John Cena decided to show up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's not all about right. just Vin Diesel and John Cena. It, there's a lot more at play here. And yeah. the, as the the paranoia of this gets a little bit more, uh, you know. We're erring on the side of caution as as a society, and I, I have to say I'm a fan of that. Uh, the hyper hyper reactive stuff can get a little bit overdone. Yeah. So I don't know where you draw that line. I, I don't work for the World Health Organization. I'm a wrestling fan with a giant beard. I, what do I know? But that's <laughs> that's the word that I've gotten uh, from people that are inside the business that we've talked to. The studios themselves are shutting down. Yeah, no, everything's, it looks like everything's going to be grinding to a halt here. Uh, let's just hope that, you know, 
people don't start losing their houses because they're not making any money. And this goes for indie wrestlers too. Yeah. Um, as I was saying, I pretty much like every indie show that was there around WrestleMania has been canceled. Uh, WXW 16 karat gold, but yeah, especially the ones with international stars, um, uh, super card of honor. It's they're probably, there's all not going to happen. So it is going to be a tough time for content because a lot of that extra content will not be happening. And WWE is just basically going to be running skeleton shows. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, yeah. Mr. Nick. Very interesting. Uh, one bright spot. One bright spot, however, Will Ospreay tweeted out that he was trying to think of things to do, and he came up with a little show. He's going to do a show on Monday on Wrestle Talk TV on YouTube called No Fans Monday. And a bunch of him, him and a bunch of his friends are all going to get together and just wrestle matches with no crowd. Awesome. Uh, including, including him versus Bea Priestley. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. So good job, Will, keeping in the content coming and keeping us entertained. Don't don't uh, don't sure... tread too much into RVD territory. I know you guys are a thing. You know, just aren't they? Aren't those two? Uh, uh... Yeah. How's that RVD territory? Well, with him and him doing what he did on Impact that got them kicked off of Twitch. Oh, well, that was a different sort of thing. <laughs> this is actually a wrestling match, Nick. Not that kind of wrestling. Calm down over there. I know, I know. Uh, all right, but anyway, so that's the bright spot. Hopefully other people will follow suit. We, we may be seeing a lot more uh, what we saw on SmackDown, which is people wrestling in front of an empty arena. And I'm sure there's a lot of creative, creative stuff that can be done. One of the wonderful things about professional wrestling is the immense bottomless wells of creativity in the people involved in uh, creating this awesome art and this product. So... Uh, I have no doubt that people will be doing a lot of creative endeavors going forward. Uh, just hope they can pay their bills by doing them. So it's going to be some weird times, Nick. Weird times. Yes. Weird times. But uh, that is the big news. I think you all knew that had to be coming. But uh, that's the breakdown for now. Obviously, we will update this on every show as the situations evolve. But right now, Nick, that doesn't mean we can't do our regular job. And that starts off with All Elite Wrestling. Well, this was an interesting show because it kicked off in a weird way where we jump right into an interview backstage, uh, seemingly in Gorilla, with Tony Schiavone and Hangman Page talking about what they were going to do, and that led to a conflict with Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson where... Matt ended up throwing shade at him, and it was just—it was weird. All of this was to set up a match that was with with Cody facing off against Ortiz of LAX and the inside or uh, the I, I keep calling it call him Inside Edition. What, what is that? Inner Circle. Inner Circle. It's but then, edition. but uh, then we get Jake the Snake Roberts coming out and sitting in the crowd with his yeah boy hit with Lance Archer. With Lance Archer. Murder With Lance, it's, it's, has arrived. It's official. It's official. Yeah, there was a lot of setup Just, for a lot of different things. Like a lot of bro yeah. a lot of stuff broiling around. As you said, uh, Hangman Page and Matt Jackson got into it. I like how now we're kind of evening out who's the dick. They're both kind of dicks to each other. Yeah. Uh, but we want to root for both of them in some ways, too. You know, we want to root for Hangman because he's just a drunk, doesn't give a, uh, an F right now. And Matt Jackson because he's, he's Matt Jackson. He's charming. Um, so... A lot of stuff getting set up here. We also found out who Hangman's mystery partner was going to be, which was Dustin Rhodes. All right. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about that Cody versus Ortiz match and the fact that uh, uh, Cody beats Ortiz fairly handily, even even despite the interference outside. Arn and, and Santana getting into it ringside. 
But uh, after the match, uh, there's a little scuffle and a beatdown. And uh, it ends with us seeing backstage the inner circle has smooshed Nick Jackson underneath one of those, uh, those metal doors that they have in the back. And he's just kind of, he's lying there in one of the most awkward, like, dead poses I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and Jericho and, and Hager and, uh, and Sammy Guevara are sitting there, like, chuckling. <laughs> we're, so, we're so cool. Look, we squished your boy. <laughs> uh, so between the match and the assault backstage, was this an effective way of jumpstarting the inner circle and elite rival, which, rivalry, which we've had, but kind of got sidetracked with the Moxley feud? Uh, reminding us that these guys all hate each other in about a 15 to 20 minute stretch. Yeah. Like, was that, a, was that a good way to do it, do you think? Or or was it just kind of a little bit in your face? No, I think it was fine. It was effective. Uh, I'm only concerned that they broadcast this on national television and then OSHA is going to be giving them a call because Nick Jackson was not wearing his PPE backstage and shipping and receiving as he should have been. Um, <laughs> his personal protective equipment. I have What? He would not have taken those injuries had he been wearing his proper gear, has wearing his proper his eyes. Yeah, he wouldn't and his have taken hat. it if he'd been wearing a suit of armor either. But <laughs> why would he? Even, he's a wrestling. Uh, he's a, okay. I digress. I digress. Yeah, I, I feel like the thing with Jericho, who is kind of coming into a new, like he's been doing this this thing since we've since he became AEW champion. But I feel like since the lead up to Mox forward. We're seeing yet another iteration of Jericho. We're seeing even we're seeing the fans adopt and start singing his song as part of his entrance. We're seeing this where he comes up on the Tron with Hager and Guevara behind him, going, "Hey, hey, hey, Cody! I know you're in the middle of a match, but yeah, we got your boy. Just in the, for no reason, just in the middle. It's of It's funny. I love it. Do you remember watching Jericho in WCW back in the '90s? Uh, no, because- I didn't. I didn't really become familiar with him until the Y2J stuff. Okay, because I want to point something out is that that was he was kind of he he kind of was on his own then too. Like they didn't give him a lot to work with, and he would just make stuff up. And he would he continuously would evolve every week. He'd find a new thing to do, whether it was the crazy hair or Ralphus or everything else that he was doing. He kept finding new things to do. And WWE that he would he would tends to find a catchphrase or lock into a persona, and then you know they want him to stick with that, so they they know how to write with that. And, you know, just do your catchphrase over and over. Um, I think this is actually Jericho's natural form, is kind of a chimera, is a guy who just, he, he has all of these ideas, he has all these things he wants to throw at the wall, yeah. and he's going to constantly be doing that. And the only thing that's the same is kind of that, you know, cocky swagger guy underneath it. Um, but everything else is just constantly churning on the top of it. And it's one of the reasons why he is, as good as he is and has, 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 has the longevity that he's had is because of his ability to constantly change and come up, come up with new things. But normally it's a slower process because we've seen him in WWE. Now all of that creativity is just coming out. They're letting him riff, and he's come up with how many catchphrases now, how many moments since he's been in AEW where they just let him riff, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, a little bit of the bubbly. And everyone's like, oh, a little bit of the bubbly. That's hilarious. And it was just like a, an, an, off the cuff for him. So that's kind of what you're seeing here is that old creative Jericho where he's just letting stuff go and, and come off, you know, as soon as he thinks of it, he just does it. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, what did he, what did he call them? He called them, uh, pumpkin, pumpkin head dipshits. Something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you wow, know, right yeah. at the top of the show, eight o'clock hour. Nice. TVMA. 
TNT. Well, I'm just I'm just saying like he's he's looking for fun things to say all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's great to see. But yeah. um, I, I guess so. After this segment, I was wondering we're heading towards Inner Circle versus Elite at Blood and Guts. Is because Nick just I, I, he had a baby or he's about to have a baby. That's what they're writing I think him they off. Just had a baby. I think they yeah. just had it. Yeah. Uh, does that mean we're now because they had an interview with Moxley as well on the show, where it sounded like. He was up in the air. They were they had barred him from coming to the arena because they were worried about his physical safety because he was still banged up from last week, quote unquote. Uh, it's it feels to me like Mox is going to be subbing in for Nick Jackson. That's mm. just my feeling on this. Um, I think they're writing Nick out of it. No, and I think it would actually give more weight. They haven't really built up a new contender for Moxley yet, so it would actually give more weight to this match if Moxley's in it as well. So that was kind of my feeling. There's but, somebody uh, that keeps eking out wins that I think is next in line. In fact, that's why I called Moxley to win was so that he would get to be next in line, and that's MJF. But we'll see how all that shakes out. I, yeah, I think he's the next one. Uh, 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 I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to have to let go of that little ring at some point. That's what I, we're gonna be. That's what's going to be interesting. You're just so far down the road here. I am. Uh Hangman Page and Dustin Rose, as we said, versus Les Sex Gods, <laughs> Jericho and uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, ended up in a huge brawl for, to, to promote the Blood and Guts match, as yep. you would as you would imagine. Um, what did you think about Dustin as Hangman's mist? Like they're promoting this all week. It's a mystery partner. It's a mystery partner, and it was Dustin. Was that? Do you think that was a good payoff? Was it a good idea? How did you like the execution of that? Um, so here, I liked parts of it and I didn't like other parts of it. Start with the good. I like that Dustin just roared in with Lexi and said, you know what? I don't care who your mystery partner was going to be. It's going to be me because I've got business with the guys that you're fighting. So I'm going to be your partner tonight. I don't care whether you like it or not. Loved that. The fact mm -hmm. that Hangman Page didn't counter that and like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't need you. Like, Whatever. I got my own guy. Get the hell out of here. And then they somehow have to end up working together, and they find a way to win. Like th there needed to be like one little step more to have a reaction from Hangman Page on it, because other they just went through with the match. It was just they went through the motions of it. It turned into a brawl. Good of motions, course it did. Good motions. It, it was, was all good. I just wanted that a little match. bit more for the. I'm so invested in the Hangman storyline at this point. Yeah. That I want him to always be doing what he wants to be doing, not well, what somebody else thinks that he should be doing. Yeah, and I think that was the angle here, but for whatever reason, maybe it's just me, when I hear someone's going to have a mystery partner, I'm waiting for some sort of drama or something that, that forwards their storyline, and this didn't, this didn't really do either. Nah. It just gave them someone fun to work with, and it was kind of like a, oh, all right, yeah. kind of payoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it was fine, and they had a good match, but I was also like, eh. I was a little let down, but that's... Again, but I'm Dustin's promo was fire. I love and that. Of course, it was. Dustin's yeah. fantastic. Hangman's fantastic. So again, I can't really complain at the end of the day. But it's just, yeah, it it didn't it didn't light my head on fire. I kind of went, all right. <laughs> that was kind of my reaction to it. it was just, yeah, all right, cool. Um, and once again, Hangman looks extremely strong. Pins Sammy for the win. Um, so yeah, they're keeping Hangman looking strong. Uh. And yeah, I, you know, I, I just was thinking about this. They, in Moxley's promo, he was saying that uh, he wanted Jake Hager. Do you think Jake Hager could be next for the title? Next, uh, having the title shot, keep it within the inner circle. I'm not sure. 
Um, mm. I'm not sure Hager's that elevated yet. Actually, I'm I'm 100% sure he's not that elevated yet. No? No. They've made him out to be a monster. He's, sure. He's beat Dustin Rhodes. Sure. But it, what if MJF sent Wardlow after him? That would make about as much sense as, well, as Hager not, at this point, back to, right? Like you're, you're hyper-focusing on your conspiracy theory that MJF is next, and then you're, you're putting that against any other possibility. It's like, well, but if it's MJF, it could be this. I'd love to see somebody else go after um, MJF's ring, challenge him for it. You know, and they got they got a lot something. of lot of people coming up, and a lot of people I think available for that. Yeah. So speaking of which, let's talk about it. Oh, let's talk one about more thing, real, that, one more oh, thing. Oh yeah, real yeah, quick. yeah. Uh, this was the segment where Jericho took a fan's beer and took a sip of it to mock Hangman Page, and then Page took it out of his hands, kicked him. I think gave him a little lariat or something, and then chugged the beer. So here you have a fan's beer. Yeah. That In Jericho Jericho's took hand. from a fan. Yeah. He drank it, and then Hangman Page took it and he drank it. Don't do that shit right now. Every One, germaphobe. You, you may be know, fine. Now we know how germaphobes regularly <laughs> right. feel. Like when they this see is Hangman not how there, social like, separation so works. They're like, oh, God. Oh, now you don't know where that's been. And now everyone's like, oh, God. COVID. <laughs> oh, he's COVIDing himself. They, so Hangman did release a, a statement online where he said from now on, he's only going to bring his own sealed containers and just drink whiskey backstage. Good man. Uh, so no, no hip more flask. taking fan beers. Carry a hip flask, dude. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, it's going to be easier for him to to sell that he's drunk if he's just drinking, you know, apple juice out of a hip flask as opposed right. to just getting wasted. I, I still remember those stories about Stone Cold drinking all the beers because he's, you know, after the whole show goes off the air, they keep popping beers to try to get the fans over, and he's just pouring beers down his throat, and he ends up just wasted coming backstage. Uh, let's talk about Lance Archer, Nick, Jake's client. Lance Archer confirmed. But it was just them sitting in the audience. And, and Lance looked like he wanted to get after Cody at one point. And Jake was like, no, no, not now. What did you think about this being the reveal of Jake's client? Was that, did, did it create an air of like impending doom that now, or, or was it an underwhelming way to debut Lance Archer, a guy who a lot of people may not know? No, I thought it was a poor decision to have him just come out and sit in the audience. Mm. Um, I well for two reasons one it could be clever right maybe it wasn't time it would have overshadowed other things that are more uh, prescient on the the card and on the show that particular show on that given night but I wanted to see Jake come out and have another promo against Cody or against the elite or someone maybe Kenny Mm. and say I'd like to introduce you to my client and have the mm -hmm. pop of it being Lance Archer to Pyro big entrance all of that stuff and everybody go oh my god it's Lance Archer he's gonna kill Kenny but that's the thing Nick is would they have done that because I feel like they I feel like they may have learned from their mistakes here I feel like they brought out Butcher and Blade and the crowd was like who they brought out a few people and people were like who, who is that am I supposed to know them and now I think they're 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 maybe a little bit gun shy about just throwing people who have been out there in the world of wrestling, but maybe not as universally known, yeah. uh, out in front of people and and hoping for a pop. I feel like this might be a good a good idea. You've got Jake the Snake, you know, selling his client last week, and this week he brings out a dude who just you know is taller than Jake, is just a massive, scary looking guy. And if you don't know who Lance Archer is, you're sitting there going. Who the hell is this guy? Jesus, he's huge. 
this is Jake's client. Damn, you're starting. Your wheels are starting to turn, yeah. right? It's subtle. It's working on you. Plus, that actually kind of works with Jake's character, doesn't it? Where he just he likes to just kind of get the fear inside you. He likes to work on your psychology. So he's kind of dangling this gigantic monster of a human being in front of Cody's eyes, and not like he's like, yeah, yeah, we're here. This is who it is. Are you scared yet? You know what I mean? It's a, it's a slow build, maybe psychologically. Uh, and then ultimately, when Lance gets in the ring, people will be like, okay, we have some basis of knowing who this is. And then he starts doing, you know, top rope Spanish flies, and everyone's just like, oh my God. So maybe this is actually a good thing. Maybe. To debut in this way. Maybe. So just to I, play, I like play slow and steady generally, yes. But I wanted someone. I think the AW. AEW crowd is going to know who Lance Archer is. There's a lot of crossover between New Japan and the Indies that has formed AEW. I think Butcher and Blade is kind of an apples and oranges comparison when you're talking about Lance Archer. Like the dude ran rough shot over the G1 last year. Like we we know who Lance Archer is. You know who Lance Archer is. I actually no. I I got into it with uh, uh, was it Lyle? One of one of our listeners in. Um, uh, in the discussion group, actually made a really good point the other day, and 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 he basically made me realize that a lot of people, you don't necessarily know everybody. You know, not everyone knows everybody. We were we were calling out Hangman Page for being Hangman Reigns right. last summer, right? Oh right. yeah, of course they get their boy in there and they have him pushing him to like, the moon. Yeah, pushing him to the moon. And he was like, well, you know, I didn't mind it because I didn't know who he was, so I just thought he was really cool and. You know, I actually dug the whole angle in the gimmick because I knew that they had to make him strong for Jericho. But I, I was learning who he was as it went on, and I really liked his, his, the way it was, how, how he was being Fair presented. Point. Fair point. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good point. Like, because we knew who Hangman was, we had that a, a reaction of being annoyed that he was getting the super push. But maybe a lot of people didn't know who Hangman was. That's, and Nick, Nick, that's Hangman Page. It, he was a major member of the Bullet Club and the Elite, and he was. You know, was having major matches. Lance Archer, I would say, isn't even as big of a, a, a persona as that. He's not yeah. as well-known as that, as Hangman was. So, yeah, I think this was a good idea to actually maybe kind of slow burn Lance Archer into the spotlight. Yeah. Um, and, they, and we'll see. that. Obviously, time will tell, like, how they ramp this up. But I, honestly, at the end of the day, like, I thought, I, 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 yeah, did I want to see Lance Archer come out of the gates and just destroy things? Yes. But that's also not Jake the Snake's way. He wants to get into your head. So this worked for me on a couple levels. Okay. I'll go so. along with this. Yeah, I, I'm. listen, I'm not mad at it. Mm -hmm. Would I have done it differently? Yes. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I, I do see what you're saying, and I'm fine with it. Absolutely. You, you've also been completely over the moon for Lance Archer ever since him versus Will Ospreay in the G1. So oh, to be hasn't? clear. If you watch the G1, you can't not have gone crazy at that match. Boy, did he and it was started the show. Yeah. It was the first match. Match the G1. Talk about setting the pace and the uh, bar of the G1 so, yeah. last summer. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, we can't what you, what fawn you, over the G1 anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, what you can tell is if you don't know who Lance Archer is, we're excited that Lance Archer is in AEW. We're very excited. Uh, Nyla Rose and Bea Priestley versus Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. Another women's tag match. Uh, Nick, are we going in the right direction here? Was this, was this a step in the right direction? I want to say yes, but then, like, for the last couple of weeks, they've been setting, stacking the chips back up, and it's like, okay, we're, we're building the division back right. up. We're building a real, like, some stakes around this and who's the pecking order and all that. 
And then you just throw this out there for like no reason. And it harkens back to the days of WWE three years ago when they would just have random tag matches of all the women, just get them all on TV. And we would make fun of that stuff. That's what this felt like. Like, I don't, I don't, what were the outcomes of this? But it was, well, Nyla pinned Hikaru Shida, but this is the thing is that sets up that the two of them have beef and Shida's going to want to get her, her loss back. Bea Priestley attacks everybody after this. She, uh, she attacked her own partner, Nyla Rose, after the match. That sets up that they have beef. So Bea Priestley might be getting a shot at Nyla in the next week or two. Uh, and Chris Statlander was kind of a, I don't want to say a non-factor, but she didn't factor in the finish at all. Yeah. So they're keeping her still in Nyla's orbit, but just not close and directly. I hear so you. I felt like that. I felt they set up a few things here, and they then they show that Nyla is still Nyla; she's dominant. So, I, so I, I don't like this on its own, but if it builds to other things as you're describing, I'm all on board because this is the kind of development stuff that you have to do. I get it; I understand right. what they're trying to do, but without any explanation and without any rhyme or reason, and and I, I'm wondering if this is just growing pains, and this is sort of the reset button I was talking about a couple weeks ago or so when they put the belt on Nyla. And it was, you know, we, we're going to have to start over effectively once we do that. Once we push that reset button, we're also developing other things that we'll talk about in a little bit in the women's division that I'm a massive fan of right now. Mm. And, you know, other things. Uh, I'm referring to Britt and Swole. Um, let's talk about let, it right now. Brit, let's yeah, go ahead and Brit, talk Brit about and that. Swole and Swole So, yeah, yeah uh, Britt Baker out to do yet another coffee barista promo on Tony Schiavone bringing incest into a promo in utah what was that what <laughs> uh okay that uh, that might be a first i don't know that i've ever heard anybody re- talk about <laughs> incest in a field. promo holy smoke but i mean she's look i was pretty down on this when she first did it on the jericho cruise six weeks ago i'm 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 it's coming around on me in a very big way i'm she's finding her rhythms a little bit better and it, it's she's working me quite a bit so and i feel coming like out, She's getting trained on it. Like people are people yeah. are giving her promo classes. Goldie's giving her promo classes backstage. She's kind of with, you know, one of the best heels working in the business right now in Adam Cole. So it's not bad to have yes. some bedside heel talk. Uh, no, advice. but as, as the the old line, you know, with Nikki Bella and John Cena, that talent isn't sexually transmitted. Uh, uh, <laughs> that being said, she is getting much better at these promos. I agree, Nick. And yeah. this was this was another just just brutal, like oh, cringy one. She got people, but a Big Swole did not like this at all and got no. up in her face. Are we seeing a feud with Britt Baker and Big Swole, and is that a good match for both women at this point? I think so, and I'm wondering where it ties into how it felt so separate from the the tag team match we had earlier in the night is one of the things that I'm sitting here going, well, who am I supposed to be paying attention to here? The champion is having matches over here that's supposed to be starting things, but we've got these other two that are down here having their own beef. Are these meant to be separate? Are they all going to be fighting for the same title? What? Explain it to me. Help me I understand. Wanna, point something out. Marshall in the chat just pointed this out. Not only did they talk about it, but they cut the camera to people in the crowd that looked like they were. Yes. <laughs> just, can I shout out to the, whoever's doing the camera pulling to the crowd? Uh, we're getting the crowd shots in AEW because they consistently have some great crowd shots. Yeah, consistently they'll cut to something good, and this was definitely one that was just like, oh, yeah. oh, hat tip oh. to the director in the control truck. We uh, we see you. <laughs> well done, well done, because he's the one oh, calling which God. cameras to go. Yeah, to, he's like, well, oh, the camera guys are looking around and trying to find a good <laughs> shot. And he's the one yeah. that, you know says go to the, go to camera B. Yeah. with the with the with the two couples that <laughs> <laughs> that look similar. <laughs> 
Yep, their 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 kids are coming out weird because the genetic pool is a little bit shallow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the good things coming. I hope in the women's division. I definitely feel like it's it's they're they're. I can feel like they're working on it. I'm I'm skeptically optimistic. Yeah. Uh, Death Triangle, newly formed group of Pentagon Junior, uh, Ray Phoenix and uh, Pack, wreaked havoc on Joey Janela and the private party. Uh, yeah, they. Can, oh. I, can I just say, new remix version of the Lucha Bros stepped down in a death death voiceover thing with the three skull triangle. Just, oh, I marked out so hard for all of that entrance. They've got a three man submission move they're using called the Death Triangle. Called the Death Triangle. Mm. Oh, oh, love it. Uh, the best friends ran out for the save at the end because they were all just, they were just murdering Joey Janela in private party at the end of this match after beating him. Um, so the best friends run out for the save afterwards. So are we looking at ultimately a best friends and death triangle ongoing feud or is death triangle just going to like wreak havoc on the mid card in general? Uh, yes, both. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I, I think the dark order is the one that's going to wreak havoc in general. I, okay. I see dark order evolving into something along the lines of what sanity used to be or even early shield. Where they would come out and just interrupt stuff and you know break things up for no reason, um, other than the fact that they had beef with somebody and they wanted to just get in their face. That's what I see Dark Order doing. Uh, the uh, Death Triangle, I think, is just going to be dominant. Now, the other question that keeps coming up, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We have so many three plus person factions that have formed yeah. now. The, the, the conversation around the trios championships, similar to what you have in New Japan, similar to what we had in um, in Lucha Underground. Are we looking at doing something like that? We've seen AEW be innovative with the ring instead of a belt. Are we looking at something like a trios championship happening in AEW for mainstream professional wrestling? Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be some sort of accolade that isn't necessarily a belt uh, sure. or but just like a championship of some sort. I, I wonder because... <laughs> Here is your, this is your, here's your trio's mug, gentlemen. Uh, enjoy some coffee. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they will do that because, again, in New Japan, the trio's championships are pretty much useless. <laughs> so, and this is a smaller, uh, well, I was going to say a smaller division, but where do they this rank is actually a much with the tag stronger, team championships? Much it, it, stronger, you know? yeah, much stronger t- uh, triples division. And then you, how do you determine when people are going for the, the tag teams? Uh, belts and which one is more prestigious I don't know I think there's a lot of um, possibilities there are a lot of things up in the air um, I, I could I could argue it both ways I think though Nick I could argue for and against a trios championship Same. so I'm, I'm on the fence about it uh, but it does seem like they have a lot of trios teams that they could use but right now it seems like they're just doing fun things with factions with them like they're basically mini factions so not mad about that speaking of which Jurassic Express, another uh, trio's mini faction, had a match with Butcher Blade and the and the MJF and the Bunny and uh, and the numbers game <laughs> because right. it was uh, a lot of people outside the ring there. It was like Jurassic Express versus twenty seven people. It was just <laughs> everybody came out to see make sure that they didn't win. Yeah, so. you had Wardlow ringside. You had uh, Bunny ringside. Bunny distracted. Uh, uh, what was it? It was uh, Bunny got involved at the end. Um, she distracted Jungle Boy, who, by the way, Jungle Boy's hot tag in this match. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Boy had a serious, awesome hot tag where he just went bananas, pardon the pun, for about 
three minutes, and it was fantastic. Just really good, really good sharp shots. Um, letting it look like he was on fire. So it was a really fun match. The Haas, the Haas moment between uh, Butcher and Luchasaurus was great too. And they're just hitting each other and trying to keep standing. Ah, oh, it was fun. Very dear, fun match. Very entertaining. Dear Luchasaurus. <laughs> All right. We understand that you can do some crazy shit for a dude that's 6'10", 6'8", 6'10", whatever you book Bill in as. Uh, please don't do those springboard somersaults over the top rope anymore because you almost knocked your own head off this week. That was a scary spot, seeing that. And I know you've done it a bunch of times, but that depends on you having enough velocity to get out there and over it and one little slip and you break your neck and we don't get to see you anymore. Please be careful. We love you, man. Please be careful. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he's another guy in this company that's just like, well, you know, what's great about this is it does feel like they've got so many people who are organically over at so many different levels of the card, whether yeah. it's Orange Cassidy or, 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 or Luchasaurus, Pac, the Lucha Bros, and then, you know, Cody and Jericho, like all the way up and down the card. There's people that are organically super, Darby Allen, you know, and letting them have these spots where they get over with the crowd. Jungle Boy, for Christ's sake. Like These are people that are over that at any point you could put in a big match and the crowd would be invested. And that's actually one of the only things you need to have a big match is crowd investment. You can make almost anyone a headliner if, you, if that crowd believes in them. Uh, you know, and, that, and that does come from the person that they're believing, the, 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 the person you're putting in the main event, um, you can believably be a main eventer, yeah. But if the crowd's invested in it, that just that does most of your work for you. They've got so many of those weapons in AEW, yeah. So many people, and it's it's really cool to see, yeah. So it's very exciting. But that being said, I still feel like Butcher and Blade aren't being booked as strong as maybe they should be, given how they're being presented. Right? They're being presented as killers and mercenaries that'll come and they'll kick your ass. Really, they don't ever win. I mean, they won here, but it was more, you know, they got distracted. Um, there was a distraction, and Wardlow got involved, and MJF beat freaking Marco Stunt. So it wasn't exactly like, uh, or he pinned Marco Stunt. So it wasn't like Butcher and Blade figured into the finish that much. Right. They you were know? just there. So, but, I mean, there were, some, there were some moments, you know. Butcher getting uh, a chance to face off with Luchasaurus. That's, yeah. But, you know, it was a little interesting. I'm sitting here going, huh, there's something there. We could do something with that. Yeah. But yeah, most of this was just about the chaos. And while we're on the subject, you mentioned Bunny. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you had Miss JB on here as a guest host. And yeah. I, I had a, uh, we had a question that came up in the live chat during AEW Wednesday night. And it was, how the hell does Bunny get those slit latex pants on? <laughs> what are the logistics involved? Do you put them on and then slit them? Do you slit them and then try to wrangle your feet through them before you put your <laughs> boot? What? How does this work? Legitimately, like how, inquiring minds need to know these things. So, JB, if you're out there, uh, the please chat, give us I a think. response. Yeah, I do see her hanging out in the chat with Esme and everybody else. So, yeah, just uh, talk amongst yourselves in the chat. But, yeah, we're looking for an answer. You, you brought up women's fashion. Two questions. How the hell does Bunny get in those pants? And how the hell do we get Hikaru Shida some trunks that will stay on her? Those are my oh, two yeah. questions. Yeah, <laughs> Shida's all over the place. But, uh, but no, I, actually, I have the answer for Bunny because – and I know this because I saw Liv Morgan do this and get cut. Uh, they actually they put on the tights first, and then they 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 slice them. They slice the the patterns or whatever they want in them, uh, and then it looks that way. And then they just toss them afterwards. 
But I, there was a, a a clip on YouTube at one point of Liv Morgan actually while she was getting her pants cut, she got cut and there was some blood and it was bad because they were worried it was going to get in the pants and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I know they do that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have any ideas. I don't know. How, I don't know how women do this magic. I'm just a guy. Yeah. Chris Daniels said that there's no exalted one, Nick. I don't believe there is an exalted one. I believe it's all just a ruse from the dark order to try and put us on our heels. Uh, and now we're hearing that next week will be officially the reveal of the exalted one. Well, so the finally. Bucks, uh, there was another episode of Free the Delete this week on yes. Matt Hardy's YouTube channel where the Bucks uh, had a super kick party uh, as Zenith began to reveal himself from within the vessel of Matt Hardy. And they super kicked him into a coffin, which it, it had its own funny moments. You have to go see it to, to believe it. It's like any other Hardy Universe thing. You've got to see it. We cannot explain it to there you. There is no way I could <laughs> I could tell this story in in prose here in on the show. You just have to see it for yep. yourself. Uh, and they, then they bury him. And then there was a tweet that went out uh, either last night or this morning where it was four. It said four days later was the caption, and the zenith cross headstone of sorts was knocked down, and the coffin was gone, and the hole was open. Dun, dun, dun. So. Hang tight, folks. I have a feeling that this Wednesday's episode of AEW is going to be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that if it does turn out to be Matt Hardy, we'll all be like, okay, we figured that. Um, you know, and I, and I don't know if there's anyone else that could be that would be more exciting than Matt Hardy. I, I, I threw out there Father James Mitchell, but even that would be kind of like, okay. <laughs> Reverend Devon, maybe? I don't well, know. No, Devon's working for WWE. I, I understand. But- I understand. But uh, I'm just saying he's doing producer uh, work and shit backstage now, isn't he? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, yeah. He came. He came out to uh, oh, to right. help Beth Phoenix. Remember when, when she got RKO'd? He was out to say last rights. <laughs> <laughs> he so should have done that. Got if Deacon Batista Beth- had come out with his box <laughs> with Stands Reverend Devon, Beth, Beth Phoenix, and he just like testify, testify, <laughs> testify. <laughs> Good Lord. Anyway. Uh, finally, what was up with that Darby Allen piece? Darby Allen has a little black and white video where he's wearing like a Jericho mask. And then he's got some guy in a Sammy Guevara mask in a body bag that he zips up. And it says Sammy on the body bag. And they just like drives around behind a truck on some farm in the middle of nowhere. This is very Matt Hardy level kind of stuff that I'm loving. Like just keep doing it. It's fantastic. And it's all in black and white. I love it. I'm going to start calling him Darby Superhuman. Yeah. What I'm going to start doing. What <laughs> hell was that? Uh, so, yeah, big brawl to end the show. Inner Circle stands tall. Uh, Matt Hardy gets a few licks and comes out. Looks like he's going to save everybody. But the Inner Circle stands tall as we head towards Blood and Guts. So, the, the Inner Circle and the Elite on a collision course. Yes. Nick. Yes. Uh, a collision course that will probably end in a, with a big cage. In an empty freaking arena. Because these are the times that we live in. But that's not all, Nick. There's plenty more to talk about over on NXT. Well, NXT this week was... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've am i been a little 
about NXT the last couple of weeks because I, I don't really know where they're going. And I don't know if it's because AEW is doing so well that when I go watch NXT, it's a little, it's a, it's pulling on my heartstrings back and forth between one and the other because I absolutely love AEW and I absolutely love NXT. And yeah. it's making me have this kind of self-divisive thing where I, I'm a little bit disappointed in NXT recently. But you know what, Nick? But I it's think happening. This week, I think it, but I think it redeemed itself a little bit this week. Don't you? Like they, a lot of the things that we were criticizing, I feel like they, they were trying to turn it around. And this emanated from the Performance Center as well, uh, except this one actually had a crowd, yeah. which, thank God, for some of these moments, it really needed a, a crowd to do. And I'll start talking about one of them. The, I think the best one was Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa came to blows. And when I say came to blows, I don't mean like they're, uh, they're punching each other and throwing some potatoes at each other's heads. I mean they tore up the entire performance center. Ciampa's in the ring giving a promo. Johnny appears on the Tron, and he's in a, an office somewhere, and he starts talking smack to Ciampa. And Ciampa just finally goes, screw this, leaves the ring, walks off, and then we see him walking through the halls and ends up in the room where Johnny's giving the promo. Johnny turns around, throws a chair at him, and it's on. These dudes, uh, immediately, almost first thing, someone gets pushed through a wall and then thrown over a table. Johnny gets thrown over the table, and then they just brawl. They just brawl in through the medical uh, center. They brawl through the weight room. Uh, just the, Tommaso, gets, Tommaso gets thrown through a window. Uh, just absolute chaos. The, these two are laying it in on each other. This was, this was fantastic, Nick. Uh, what a, and then it ends up in the crow's nest, uh, back in, back in like where the arena area was, right, and uh, fighting up there. You initially you think Johnny Gargano is going to throw Tommaso off onto the table, the announcer's desk, but Tommaso ends up manning up uh, after getting out of a of a uh, uh, Gargano escape, and he air raid crashes Johnny off of the, the crow's nest through the table to end the segment. Um, like this kind of new like innovation where they're like hey we're in the performance center let's trash it let's have Ciampa and Gargano walk into the halls and taking pictures off the walls and smashing each other with them and breaking doors and all of that like is that the kind of must tune in stuff that we wish was on say for instance main roster WWE where we're just, it's eye opening right it's 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 makes you jump up a little bit I think one of the things that stands out to me about NXT is that it is from start to finish normally a hundred miles an hour? It is you you hit the beginning from the very beginning and it's go 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 go, including Mara Ronaldo just going absolutely batshit for an hour or two hours now, and it just so it, a lot of these things do end up in brawls sometimes, especially anytime you sure. get the undisputed era near anybody. I think this is different though. This has history. This yep. has story. This has psychology. This has flipped where we were two years ago on its mm -hmm. head. And if you've been along for the ride since, you know, DIY Revival and DIY AOP, and you've seen all of this transpire from Tommaso turning on him to him coming back to what we had two years ago, versus, and now they've both gone after Adam Cole, and now they're back at each other, and the roles are revert. Like, this whole thing has finally... Finally, like the, the pimple popped. It's exploded. It's it's finally <laughs> going nuts, right? But, and it, but it's Nick, getting ugly. But Nick, isn't that part of like what Johnny was saying in his promo? And I want to point this out was that he said, you know, there was a time when Champa was the most hated man in NXT. 
He yeah. was the bad guy. He did horrible things to me. He insulted the fans. And now you guys are cool with him? Now daddy's home and you love him? Did I miss something along the way? Why is he suddenly, why are you guys all cool with him? Like, how does, how does this work? When did I become the bad guy? That was how he, he framed it now. Yeah. And like you said, if you've been along for the ride, that really rang true. You went, you kind of looked at yourself a little bit and went, damn, he's right, but ain't that pro wrestling? It's kind of the phenomenon you know? that's happening with Hangman over there. Like it between is. the elite and, and him and just him not giving any Fs and just doing his own thing now because what you know, he's dependent on them and they got him nowhere and he did all this by himself. So Except I, that it's Johnny's it. logic that's making him a heel. Like that now he's the bad right. guy because we all love Champa, so we want to root for him. So now Johnny's the bad guy and he's also doing healy stuff. Right. But the but the end of the day, before I wasn't sold, like they did a good job selling me on on Psycho Johnny with his interview with Morrow. Um but I still wasn't 100% sold on Johnny as the heel in this feud until this. Yeah. This made me go, ah. I, we're still, still going to find out, you know, what's this why that Johnny keep, like, keeps talking about. Like, you know what you did, Ciampa kind of thing. Um, but this is a strong foundation. And this was a strong thing to build to make me go, okay, now I see how they're positioning these two um, where it's okay to forgive Ciampa for what he's done, even though, as Johnny said, like, did you, did I hear, did I miss an apology somewhere? <laughs> like, we, we, he didn't have to apologize. We just came around on him. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's that great little, you know, grist for the mill that they threw into this feud that I think now has made it a much more delicious loaf of bread Yeah. at the end. So I, I'm, I'm back on board with this. I, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see what they do now um, going forward with this. No, I, 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 I think that the, having these two get back at each other and giving us a, a grand finale of their story that we wanted two years ago at Mania. Unfortunately, Trampa got hurt his neck, and now we're going to get this at seemingly at, at Mania pending, pending, pending. Um, I'm, I'm all for this. It, we needed this. We needed this closure. We needed this release. There's been so much angst and like confusion, like the, they're getting the tag team back together, but they still never resolved their dispute from before. But they're doing this stuff again. Like, how's all this? I, that's where I was, but mm. I went along with it. Now that we're back here and they flipped on each other again, who cares which one's heel and face? We just want to see these two tear each other to pieces because they ultimately <laughs> broke up DIY. See, I'd actually, but I would disagree with that because I think that if it was just. Ciampa and Gargano fighting forever. At some point, we get bored. We need a little something more. We need to know why. And this now they're doing a good job of defining why we should cheer for Ciampa and boo Johnny, right? Because to invert it in that way is is a really hard thing to do. And actually, props yeah. to them for having the confidence to do it. Um, I definitely wasn't sold on it at first, but I'm I'm getting more impressed by it as it, as it goes. So, but again, you have to have something underlying it before these guys destroy each other. Otherwise, it's just destruction for the sake of destruction. And that gets really boring pretty quick. Yeah. So, um, also redeemed, I think, on this show, Nick, Velveteen Dream. Or at least they tried to start doing the rehab on him because I, I think you'll agree his feud with Roderick Strong was hot garbage. Hot garbage. Yeah, not good. But they did a good job of explaining it here with uh, the Undisputed Era being in the ring right before their tag title rematch with the Bros or Weights. Uh, 
And uh, Velveteen comes out in the crow's nest to cut a promo on him and says, oh, Roderick Strong, you were just a means to an end. I wanted Adam Cole all along. I don't give a crap about your family. They're just tights with faces painted on them. It has nothing to do with anything else. And you took the bait and you allowed me to get Adam Cole one-on-one in a cage. You stupid little man. I got you. Um, Adam Cole, I'm coming for you, essentially. So they basically rewrote that awful dream feud as Dream's not a heel. He's just a smart face who's manipulating the heels into doing what he wants. Yep. Do you feel like that was effective, Nick? Did they, did they cover the stumble enough here? No, not completely, but good enough. And I think In the right direction, though? In the right direction now? Yeah, they'll tighten it up. Uh, in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to Mania weekend. But yeah, this is this is definitely what they should have been doing since he came back. I, I felt like the tights thing was a very Velveteen Dream thing to do, and it got misinterpreted for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I feel like had they done some of this preamble, some of this work in advance of that, that they're now trying to come back around and do, it would have made the whole thing go that much better. Look, I... It was interesting to see him come back right at Roddy. I know they had unfinished business and all of that stuff, but the North American title has moved on. I'm not yeah, sure exactly. we should have reignited the Roddy Velveteen Dream thing. Have Dream come back in, sort of like Finn Balor did, go straight for the NXT Championship, and and I think that would have worked a lot better. You know? Yeah, I think a lot of people would have expected, like they would have questioned it and been like, "Well, I thought he had beef with Roderick Strong." Um, sure, but at the at the end of the day, like I feel like they they tried that, it didn't work. And they're doing a hard turn on the ship here. And I think, I think that they're going in the right direction. I think they need a couple more, like another week or so of really defining that and, and starting to crystallize things between Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole. Sure. Uh, I, th- I think they need to give, get a, give us more of that. But this was definitely the right story decision to make. And I want to call out something that, that we always talk about. Okay. And that is taking the moment to throw one line in there that explains everything, right? How many times do we say... They just arbitrarily did this thing, right? Um, let's say someone has a feud with someone, and then the next week, all of a sudden, they're feuding with somebody else. And we sit there right. and go, what, what happened to the other feud? Why, where, what happened? Explain it. And all you need to do is have one of these guys say one line, one sentence. Hey, yeah, I, you know, I realized that this other guy had farted on my shoes, so now I'm mad at him. Whatever it is. Just give us a reason. What we would we and we would take that right here. Velveteen Dream in a matter of two or three sentences gives us all of the explanation for the entire Roderick Strong feud. I feel like I, okay, you've explained the stumble. I'm satisfied. Now you've turned the ship onto Adam Cole, and you've given me a strong explanation that protects Dream's character uh, and also is fun because we want to you know see the the undisputed era get their comeuppance. And you did it all in just a couple of sentences. That's how easy it is to turn stories like this around and protect your people by just having one line. One line gets said. So just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Duh. It's, Duh. it's all just in the writing, right? Yeah. Just yeah. taking one small moment to connect the dots so that uh, we don't feel like we're just, you know, Oh, uh, yeah, you, you guys will pay attention no matter what. Charlotte Flair got hers back on Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, of course, showed up last week on Monday Night Raw and socked Charlotte in the face. Well, Charlotte wasn't too happy about that. No. Rhea Ripley was cutting a promo in the ring, and out Charlotte came, and it was not a punch in the face, but a full-on brawl. They, got, they went for it. Charlotte in high-heel boots, high-heel thigh-high boots, 
kicking Rhea Ripley in the face and then gets out of the ring, wraps her leg around the uh, the post a couple of times, and then puts her in a figure four on the post. Brutal. Rhea Ripley might, Rhea Ripley might be hobbling into Tampa. Or is that the story, Nick? Look, don't is get that, don't you, get the Nick booking I've, gears started here. All right, <laughs> we don't have that kind of time right now because we got right, a lot right. of show to get to. But yes, I think there is something at play here where we're going to see someone else enter this match. What? What? what whoa! That was not what I was asking. Oh, Wait, okay. What? What, were, what were you asking? I was just saying, do you think it's going to be an injury angle going into to Mania, oh. or do you think this is just like we're just having having some physicality and and some brutality from these two ladies, like and and Rio will just walk it off simplest form uh simplest obvious answer we're just having some brutality this is a couple of weeks out of mania we're getting some physicality before a very very big match that we're all really amped for uh second you could kind of do a little left turn out of it and go yeah you could do an injury angle where charlotte has a bit of an advantage because she injured rhea ripley in advance right the third one is you could begin to reintroduce potentially bianca belair back into this somehow I think they put her in the rear view big time. Yeah, I do too. But I think they put her in the rear view. <laughs> when you see Charlotte coming out and dominating Rhea Ripley this way, I started to go. But is didn't she Rhea ready for Charlotte? I Flair? don't know. I don't know. We've At got WrestleMania, four weeks left. We've got to, we got to, we got to kill some time between now and WrestleMania. There's more to go. There's more to come here. I think in the story between now and WrestleMania, unless they're just gonna have it just float like this. So, uh, yeah, I want to see I want to see what they were going for with this. I want to see I, the physicality. Curious. I want to see it be a hard-hitting, stiff, brutal match, and I think that's exactly what we're going to get between these two, to be clear. I think so. well, based on this feud, yeah, or yeah. this the this brawl. Yeah. They definitely are laying it in. Uh Undisputed Era, as we mentioned, they had a tag team title rematch versus the Bruiserweights. The Loserweights. The Bruiserweights. <laughs> oh, right, the the Loserweights. God, oh, he's gone. Oh, cool. Go. Um, and the, uh, the bruiser weights, broser weights, God damn it. They're killing me with this. The broser weights retained, even though the grizzled young veterans got involved. Um, it's looking like it's going to be grizzled young vets versus broser weights at Tampa. Should the broser weights retain, or is it the grizzled young vets time? Nick, should we go back to a tag team? A proper tag team, or at this point, are the Broserweights a proper tag team? Sure. They've been the champions long enough. Fine. <laughs> it's they, just like how long they, it's taken for, for them to beat down your brain until you right, accept they, it. They cross-wove the entrance themes into something that sounds halfway decent. They have a name. You know, they're, they're working well together. They're Fine. ticking all your boxes of qualifications Fine. at this point. Sure. Fine. <laughs> It's like you've been beaten into submission. I, I have. They're they're fun. You know what? It's fun. Uh, it's absolutely fun. If this were terrible, where there was no interaction between the two of them, like early days Kabuki Warriors or Bliss and Cross, or you know, just Ricochet and Alistair Black, even like you couldn't have put. That's the odd couple. Like it, la last year, it was just weird with the two of them. There was no real chemistry that I saw. They just were both really freaking good. And these two are right. really freaking good, but they've also got sort of the Abbott and Costello chemistry going on that you kind of want in a good face tag they're, team. They're what I think you could call an act yeah. outside of the ring. Bingo. As, as not, they're not just a, a, a group. They're not just a couple of good wrestlers who get into the ring and put on good matches. They're actually like an act outside yeah. the ring as well. 
Um, where I was like sold Brazilian on it fans, was like, the the road to Portland where they were trying to get the trophy <laughs> and the golf cart. Like that, skits, that was yeah. the turning point for me. Was like you said, an act when it became bigger than the two of them wrestling in a ring, and that was the downfall of Ricochet and Black last year. There was none of that. Even though they gave them the championships, shot them to the moon up on Raw immediately, yeah. and it was like, okay. So th- I think they're nailing it with the Broser weights. It's a lesson learned from last year. And, I mean, look at what Grizzled Young Vets are doing as well now as being a part of this. Are they over here? Do we have any news on if they're full-time U.S.-based now? They are. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, no, they're going to go back and forth. They're going to be, well, <laughs> if they can. <laughs> Travel Fair. restrictions apply. But uh, at the same time, I, I feel like they're going to become more of a mainstay on the NXT roster because the NXT roster was so depleted in its tag team division, they need more tag teams. And that was kind of my, my thought here was, do they put the titles on grizzled young vets to try to reinvest in the tag team division and show that it's really about proper tag teams or do the Broserweights retain because they're kind of the most entertaining act at this point in the tag division undisputed era aside i mean they've they've just been there for a while uh you know the fresh and new uh is going to be more entertaining i think on a day-to-day basis and the and the Broserweights are that so i feel like it could go either way and you could argue either position where the Broserweights, I think, need to get more legitimized, but the Grizzled Young Vets are a proper tag team, and that's going to legitimize your division. Yeah. So, uh, hey, at the end of the day, at least it's the the right two teams at the right place at the right time. Uh, knowing that they're full-time, I'm going to have to start keeping a shoe in here so I can hold it up every time Zach gives mm-hmm. cuts a promo. Because, God damn, that guy is money. Uh, yeah. Do you see this going to a triple threat uh, for the tag titles at TakeOver Mania? I don't know. I feel like Undisputed Era is kind of out of the picture, but maybe. That, I don't think that, that would be. I think Roddy's more would, out of the North American picture than Undisputed Era is out of the tag picture. No, good point. I, I, it would be it would be hot fire to have a triple threat between these three teams. Good, can the, you imagine? Thump. There's there's <laughs> my thump of the day. <laughs> yeah, the, the nipple erection of the yeah, day Yeah, right there. Uh, Keith Lee had his match with Cameron Grimes, who tried, he tried his best, Nick. He tried his best. He did. A good, a good try from old Mr. Cameron. Grimes, old Mr. Trevor that Lee. dude, gut-wrench, Northern Lights, suplexed Keith Lee. Yeah. <laughs> That's some Tyler Bate kind of shit right there, my dude. People That's... forget, man. The dude is, the, like, he hides it well, but he Cameron Grimes is a strong dude. Yep. He's yep. a strong dude. He's got that uh, country strong from North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that Braun Strowman country strong. Is he from North Carolina at this point or is he from Louisiana? I can't tell. Is that I'm saying? not sure. It is. You don't talk no Cajun, though. We need to talk a little more on Cajun. Yeah. Uh, so the, the real story here was that Damian Priest came out to with his with his nightstick, <laughs> which I guess is his thing now, to, to try to beat up Keith Lee. DiJack came out to save him, uh, and uh, he, he scares off Damian Priest. But Keith Lee thinks that Dijakovic is hitting about to hit him with the nightstick. So now he's mad at Dijakovic. Uh, no, he was mad at Dijakovic because he picked up his title and he got a spirit bomb for his saving efforts. He got a spirit bomb. <laughs> and I was just looking at this going, what the? What the fuck? Why? Little, why? He just saved your ass. Little trickeration. That's right. But oh. yeah, that's, the, that's the thing. This is how the friendship breaks up, right? Isn't it? Damien Priest sowing the seeds of discord. Love oh, it, man. Love it. Uh, the only the only problem I have here is that I feel like uh, Priest is the odd man out with this. I feel like he's not he's the least interesting part of this, and he could be so much more interesting here. But they're making it more about 
Dijakovic and uh, and Keith Lee, which is fine. That is the feud that everyone's invested in at this point. But uh, how long do they have Dijakovic kind of playing the fly in the ointment? And is that because that's only that's very good for him. That's not good for him and his character and, and who he is. Like they've got to make him seem more of a mastermind and more powerful somehow to to go towards what I think will be a triple threat. At Tampa. Yeah, I do see this going to a triple threat as well between Grimes and Priest, I feel like. I don't know if Dijak's going to be an interest. Yeah, I think Grimes could be in this. Oh, so for a fatal four-way. Then. It could be a four-way, but I think Dijak is going to be a weird one in this where he might come out and interfere, and that be the thing that like breaks up Lee and Dijak. They're the, the water in the concrete, right? The crack. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to see Grimes in this picture, especially after the performance this week. He looked fantastic. He, he got He's some like, over on big old boy Keith Lee. He's been on TV now for like eight weeks straight. Keep that in mind. Yeah, they're they're shooting him up big yep. time, and he's been looking good the entire time. So, Like you said, Priest the is the one I have my him. doubts about. I want to see a little bit more. If you could take some of the part, some of the bits of Godfather with some of the bits of Gangrel and like ball them together and put them on Damian Priest, like mm. there, there's some elements of his character that need to evolve a little bit because him coming out and doing the arrow and the flaming, like that, Okay, that was okay six months ago. Let's step up his presence a little bit. Let's let's give him a little bit more theater, and and you know if he has some vampire girls, I don't know something that comes out right, or yeah. he comes out in a bigger regalia of some sorts, or he a he goblet needs to or, go eleven out of ten. Yeah. on this gimmick, and right now he's it's about not going to sustain with what he's doing right now. Like Agreed. it's cool so to it's, come out with a nightstick every now and then, but where do we go from there? It's cool, but it's not crazy yeah. cool. I want it to you know? be. I want it to get, let's, get, little, let's get nuts. Let's, you want to get nuts? Let's, let's get, get nuts. nuts. <laughs> Mia Yim qualified for the uh, the Tampa number one contenders ladder match by beating Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez. And Raquel Gonzalez kind of cost Dakota Kai the match. That, what was the concept here? Dakota Kai still can't beat Mia Yim, even though she's got an enforcer now. What the? Why have... Dakota beat Tegan Knox twice and, and kind of win their feud. If she's going to go back to losing to people like Mia Yim, where does Dakota Kai end up in Tampa? What Nick, my mind explode. What happened here? What was uh, this? this? Unpack this for me. So full disclosure, I didn't get to see this whole thing. Oh, uh, well, I did hear that Mia helpful. Yim. I know, I know. Um, this was the uh, one of the later matches, or it was in the middle of the thing, and I think I missed it because I was downstairs making a snack or something. Um, but I, I, what I did hear about from this was Mia Yim uh, did get one on Dakota Kai. Raquel Gonzalez looked a little bit useless. So Raquel, the entire, well, the entire match, she was actually helping Dakota Kai. At the end, she's distracting the ref, and actually that helped Mia Yim beat Dakota Kai because Raquel Gonzalez was distracting the ref. Oops. So, but that's what I mean. Is like, it's a little early to have the miscommunication between the two. I feel, right. right. I feel, but unless they've got. They have to pivot Dakota Kai to do something else at Tampa. Um, and it's not going to be facing uh, Knox again because Knox won her match uh, against Deanna Parazzo on this same show. So Knox is going to be in the, in the latter match. Dakota's not. The only thing I can think is that Dakota's going to just run in and, and cost Knox the match, but that seems a little lame at this point. Yeah, we're past why, that. Why would she, yeah, we're past that. So I'm, I'm scratching my head about Dakota Kai's booking. And the same reason I was scratching my head about it when she got beat by Mia Yim twice after she uh, she beat up Tegan Knox at War Games. So really curious about this. Like really, really, like you just gave like you had her 
win in this street fight because of interference from Raquel Gonzalez, who maybe could have used a Lance Archer sort of entrance and, and been built up a couple of weeks before. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Yes. So people weren't just like, who? Um, and then all of a sudden, she's going back to losing to Mia Yim, even with the, the, with the, with the, uh, the, the help on the ringside. So this is, yeah, I was very confused by this. Are you reading into this that the Kaya heel turn isn't going so well and that they might be steering back towards Mia Yim a little bit? It's, I thought it was going great. Do you think so, the introduction again, of Raquel still, Gonzalez was a misstep? No, I think it's fine to have an enforcer there for Dakota Kai. It makes her more of a, of a scurrilous heel. But at the same time, I'm, 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 I just I don't understand. Maybe there's something going on that we're not seeing, whether it's backstage or whatever. I haven't uh, seen Raquel properly course. beat anybody down yet, be an right, enforcer yet. Yeah. So, so I, I, I can't call her an enforcer. Unless there's uh, another plan for Dakota Kai at Tampa, which we're not aware of, this makes no sense. Agreed. I'll, just, I'll, leave, it, I'll leave it with that. Same. Uh, finally on the show, Kushida is back, and he had a match with Raul Mendoza. And, of course, as always, Raul Mendoza made Kushida look great. But he got kidnapped. Who are these I, masked men? What? <laughs> I. What the hell was that? I don't know. They just kind of casually walked him over just... to a car and put him in it, handcuffed, and <laughs> like there was no like forcing anything. They weren't dragging him away or anything. They didn't throw him into a van and speed off with the tires squealing. They just like, oh, how about having a seat in this car for us? I'm gonna okay. say this right now. Okay. I'm gonna say this right now. NXT, if this is a Mexican cartel angle, shame on you. Oh, you better shame not. On you. you better not. <laughs> I don't know, but hopefully this is actually a sign of something in the future for Raul Mendoza. Uh, the dude has been a workhorse forever, and he's fantastic. So good. Um, but Kushida is too, and ever since he got injured, he's just been kind of on the side of everything. And I, Nick, I'm still reeling from it. I'm still hurting from it. Is Kushida going to be the next Hideo Itami? Oh! Where all the hype coming in and injuries force him to just... They keep stopping his pushes. People kind of lose interest in who he is, and he never quite get over, gets over it, and he's got to like limp back to New Japan. Do, oh, no, I didn't that? even put that together, but oh, my God, yeah. you're so right. Yeah, Holy I'm starting shit. to worry about my boy here. Well, I mean, this video package of him, like, the, the best thing in the world is family, and just, just watching his daughter slide down a slide and all that stuff. You're a wrestler! Wrestle! Yeah. I, know you, I know you hate when they show people's families, especially Roderick Strong's. No, I just, oh, what? no. Oh, I just, no, please don't do that to Kushida. Oh, no, Ian. You just yeah. put that, you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. Sorry. I, I, I was, it was in my mind. I'm terrified. You know my love for Kushida. You know how, how much I want that guy to succeed. And look at what, look at what Kent is doing over in New Japan right now. Uh, right, right. He came back on fire. I don't, I don't want to, I don't I do not I want to make it clear I do not want that to happen to Kushida but I've been nervous about Kushida getting over since he came to WWE I didn't know if they would know what to do with him um yeah it looked I'm, like they I'm, knew they were putting him up against all the big dudes and having him tap everybody out with that uh, that lock Kujibar armbar and just uh, I'm, I am nervous I am nervous dude. hadn't seen it in about six to eight months at this point so let's I'm nervous <laughs> yeah. oh boy. Nick, let's let's lighten the mood here after that because okay. it was a very bizarre yet entertaining episode of Friday Night SmackDown. 
I want to open this up before we talk about this by saying the overnight ratings are in for last night's episode of SmackDown. And if you watched it, you'll have better understanding of what I'm about to say. But I think it's important to set the context before we go into this. So before we get into okay. this, so the overnight ratings are in, right? Yes. It was yes. so. Uh, was that the, yes? <laughs> I thought you had a press. I did. It drew, drew an average of 2.58 million viewers. No, what across the entire show, which is up, up, huge, up from last Friday's SmackDown that did an average of 2.4. So almost yeah. a you know a, a wow. full 0.2 increase, almost. Well, more more people at home. You uh, know? <laughs> the first hour, first hour of a two-hour show. 2.673 million viewers and 2.5 wow. million of those stuck around for the second hour as well. So very little drop-off. Usually they get a, a, a pretty significant drop-off for right. the second hour. We see That's, that more on Raw because it's a three-hour show but, well, it's a huge drop off in the third hour. It's right. why they do the main, like the true main event, at the end of the second hour. But yeah, that's, that's it. Also wow. pulled in an average of a point seven in the eighteen to forty nine demographic, which was number two, which you would expect on primetime Fox. Yeah. Fine, yeah. that's what uh, that's, Fox would probably be very happy about this. Do it, hey, do it with no audience in the performance center all the time, guys. This right. worked. But before we talk about everything we're about to talk about. That's the same .7 rating it got in the 18 to 49 demo that last week when it did less numbers. So uh-huh. uh, it was the number eight show all night, and it was behind you know big sitcoms like it always is. But it still, with everything we're getting ready to talk about, still pulled a 2.6. And let's let's be clear, Nick. This was a bizarre, bizarre show. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. Um, but at the same time, that freshness that weirdness was one of the things that made it interesting the entire time and it seems like anytime that wwe's got its back up against the wall it puts on its best shows remember the nxt invasion when they were stuck over in saudi arabia probably the best smackdown of the year maybe yeah i'll, I'll, I'll go out I, on a limit right now and just say yeah it was the best smackdown yeah, of the year last year it was the best smackdown i'm just gonna i'm saying it right yeah. now this was definitely not the best SmackDown because a lot of it was just really weird. <laughs> like the matches were happening, and, and you know Triple H and Cole over on the announce desk were being kind of quiet because <laughs> there was no crowd noise to talk over. And it was there. There's like the lights people did full entrances, even though there was no crowd. Like it was until DX really Triple weird. H showed back up thirty years, twenty years later. <laughs> he totally did. They were hazing Michael Cole all night, which right there. I will tune in every week if, if people are hazing Michael Cole like this. By the way, not like JBL hazing. This was like friendly, good-natured. We actually saw Michael Cole acting like a human being. Yeah. Oh, that was so refreshing. Yep. It was so refreshing to see Michael Cole actually get broken out of his announcer comfort zone and be made to actually laugh and have fun and be playful. It was so refreshing, and Triple H was absolutely the MVP of this show. He was everywhere. He was all over the show. Say what you will about Triple H trying to get himself over again, but the dude was working his ass off to make this show entertaining. Um, even picking up a camera at one point and getting a shot of Michael Cole and just joking about how they had a skeleton crew. He was doing announcing with Michael Cole, and by the way, killing me with some of his calls. He kept saying, what a maneuver! Which was killing me. He was ribbing Vince the entire show. Uh, doing Vince straight up Vince imitation. It's a debacle. He was doing Vince imitations. This was absolutely Triple H's show, and he and he also kind of had a start and finish up in the crow's nest 
saying, hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, the one thing we're missing here is the reason why we do this, and that's you guys. Um, and so, yeah, props to Papa H for really pulling this together and making this feel like – Nick, and, and I want to hear your opinion on this after this, and I'm sorry I'm going off, but this was – No, do it. I just, so we're I, both going to do been, it. I've been fomenting on this for, for the last 24 hours. Yep. Um, this felt like more, this felt more like, uh, they were reaching out to us fans, us viewers as family and not as consumers of their product. This felt more like I had a connection with their programming than I've ever felt on the main roster. I truly felt like in a lot of ways, uh, they were they were working their asses off to try and just do something for their fans. They could have done a greatest hits episode. Sure, they could have put on, uh, you know, hey, remember when this happened? Programming, and they did for some of this. They they replayed the entire uh, elimination chamber tag team match from the from the last pay per view. So they did have to fill some time here, but they also they didn't have to do this, and the fact that they spent so much you know, uh, thought and effort to put this together meant a lot. And I, 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 by the time the show came to a close, I really appreciated it. Um, that's an interesting that they, point I want to talk about too. Go, so go for it. What, what, what were your thoughts about so it? So I know you've got things in a specific order here, but from the, eh. fr from the onset, um, I, I want to talk about how the show opened. You mentioned Papa H up in the crow's nest, given that heartfelt speech, Oh. You know, our our job is is simply to entertain you. So come along with us and let us put a smile on your face for the next to two a hours. world of pure imagination. Oh, oh, my heart melted, and then the pan over to an empty arena with the laser yeah. lights going. I I think my I don't have Discord pulled up right now, but I think my comment was I am speechless. Like yeah. I I don't know what to say right now. I feel weird and disoriented i've never experienced this in my entire life as a wrestling fan yeah uh yes in the 80s you could go you could you could cite nwa studio wrestling and stuff like that with like two rows of people you could you could cite <laughs> indie yeah. events yeah. where there's like 50 people in the gymnasium or the the american legion that you're in. sure but the being completely empty and being completely silent like it is important to understand that the biggest superstar in the arena at any given show is the audience. Yeah. And and I, I just not having that there was something like I had never experienced before. And it made that opening match, even the entrances with Bliss and Cross and Bailey and Sasha still doing their entrances, still mm -hmm. like working the crowd that wasn't, wasn't there. there. And I was just going, This is so weird. And it was an I actually, don't understand. Yeah. It was Cross a weird... is still like clapping and stomping on the steps and working the crowd. And I'm just going, uh, I don't understand what's happening. It was weird. And it also actually, in some ways, was like pulling apart a recipe. You know what I mean? For like, if you're baking something, like, what would this taste like if I took away the eggs? What you're pulling it apart and being able to see some of the, the moving parts of this performance art without some of the interactions and some elements of the show worked better that way i think or like or it was i mean not better but more effective like it, it created a different vibe uh the confrontation between bray wyatt and johnson at the end for, for example was way more chilling than i think it would have been in front of a big rowdy Hang crowd on, don't screaming, go there what? yet 
I'm, I'm just, I'm saying, for example, but then turn around and the, the Jeff Hardy and Corbin match was just kind of awkward and weird, you know, without, without a crowd interacting. So it was, yeah, but then at the same time, you get to focus more on the athleticism of what these guys are doing. Like, instead of it feeling like a big spectacle, that's a dude going to the top of a turnbuckle and throwing his body off, and there's this big boom when he hits the ground. Like, it, because it's it's been separated from people, you know, he's not doing it to impress anybody. He's just hucking his body off the top damn rope and having it come crash to the ground. And it's a little, it's, I don't know, it's a little more jarring to see it in that like, context. Like he's done thousands of times throughout right. his career. And then the, you extrapolate the, it outwards, exactly. The important part of this for me to under, to that, I, it took me about probably midway through the replay of the Elimination Chamber tag team match mm. to really sink in. And it was about the end of the first hour. So about halfway through the show, I really started to get it. And that was about the same time that they started to like turn into fun commentary and DX Triple H showed up, took the camera, <laughs> you know, started telling right. Michael Cole that, you know, I have so many different jobs. You have one and you're not even good at that. How do you still have a job here? Right. You know, just steering into makes, some of that fan making fun stuff. Of his own that, demotion. They were shooting on each other like, you know, oh, or, or, so or good. work shoot. Who knows? Like, but you know. my point is that these are all professionals and look at them and how professional they were. And they still went out there just like they do in practice multiple times a week. Yep. They're used to doing this. They have to go through the motions for Vince, for producers, for everybody else to make sure that everybody signs off on what's going to happen. It's not like they haven't done this stuff before. So at the same time, I, I want to give a kudos to all of the talent, to Michael Cole, to Triple H, the camera crew that was there, the directors, everybody uh, at both WWE and Fox for just putting on something that I've never seen before that I didn't understand how much I would love at the beginning or at least until the end of the show uh, and, and have a true appreciation and respect for it. Just thank you for being professionals and Seriously. The, sh the good old show must go on kind of PT Barnum mentality. You know, I loved it. I absolutely yeah, loved it. Absolutely. Well, let's let's break down the actual show and yep. what actually happened on this, Nick. Um, as I said, John Cena and Bray Wyatt had a confrontation and started off with Michael Cole interviewing John Cena in the ring, uh, and John Cena cutting a pretty fire promo that I thought had some wonderfully skewed logic, where he. <laughs> Where he's, he said, okay, so, you know, Bray is coming and saying that, you know, because of our match at WrestleMania started his downward spiral. Well, if I had a list of everyone who, you know, blame me for their failures, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I get up every day just like everybody else and I've had my setbacks, but I still rebound. And he said, I, you know, I, I don't win all the time. I lost to CM Punk at, in Chicago. I, I lost to, uh, I got destroyed by Brock Lesnar. He listed off like the three times he actually lost in the last 10 years. Yeah, and uh, which I thought was really funny because I was like, "Keep going, John. How many more setbacks have you had? How many more times many? did you have to? You, oh, one night stand when you were playing a heel, and if you had won, you would have been torn apart by a rabid sea of fans. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that counts, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like <laughs> he's mentioned like three setbacks. I'm like, oh, oh, the one time you joined the Nexus was that a setback, John? Uh, so I thought his logic was a little skewed there, but all right, we're building a story. Fine. Fine. The story is that John Cena also has had setbacks, but he doesn't complain about it. He just keeps on working, keeps on trying. And uh, Bray Wyatt, he feels, is not the future of the company. He wants people who are there to uh, to work hard and get over and not be whining about stuff. 
Uh, so he's going he's gonna to take out Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, take him out of the equation, as he said. Yeah. And then, who should show up but Mr. Bray Rogers himself, sweatshirt and all, sweater and all, coming out of the, uh, out of the non-existent crowd and uh, walks to the ring, fully in character, by the way. And this is, this is where, Nick, I, it really became almost like a theater piece for me. And it kind of went this back is some black between, box theater kind of shit that you see down on Santa Monica Boulevard, man. That's you took the words out of my mouth, almost like a black, bo- like a weird black box theater. Uh, and it was just instead of having this crowd getting involved in it, it was just Bray doing a monologue in front of Cena. So Cena cut a promo. Bray did a monologue. That was the difference here. Bray did a monologue on Cena, and. I mean, you could have used what Bray did for any audition you've ever been on. Yeah. If you were like, hey, you're auditioning for the Joker? Here, use Bray's monologue here. Because it was very much a Joker-esque monologue. A guy whose brain is broken, and he's threatening violence against somebody else. And doing it in a way where you can tell that he is insane. Um, and Bray basically just, you know, at the end of it said... Cool. Well, because of because of you, I my brain broke apart. I put it back together, and uh, now I'm whole, and I'm going to slaughter you at WrestleMania. Um, this is not a you know, it's not about uh, me whining. It's not about you know me picking myself back up. It's about destroying you because you did this to me. Um, you, you know, say, you don't really care about the future of the company. You care about yourself essentially, and. Uh, and I loved it at the very end of it, the cut to dark, the laugh, and yeah. all we saw was the trademark on a black screen. I yes. wish they hadn't I wish they hadn't done the the fiend faces in there. Like just just cut to black and have Bray's yeah. laugh. But whatever. Nitpicking, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Um <laughs> hashtag my directing. But uh this was fantastic and it was bizarre and weird and creepy and effective. I was shocked how effective it was. So, yeah, just having the two of them confront each other. Take out, take out the logic, like, why doesn't Bray just kill him now? Take the logic out of the equation. Uh, just the performance of these two guys. Uh, laid bare with no trimmings, no audience reaction, no nothing. Just their performances. It was fascinating to watch. Yeah, and, it was. And, and it proved how good both these guys are. Mm. Good God. Uh, we had the same similar sort of thing with Roman Reigns. Uh, are, you, he had a, are you hyped about this match now? Uh, more than I was. You? 100%. Cool. What about Roman Reigns and Goldberg? I, we had a, I, I, think, you, I think Cena is going to go out like a damn champ on his back putting Bray over to the moon, and I, I, it's going to be fantastic. And I, I hope that's the outcome we get. I hope we're not doing an Undertaker so. 2.0 thing here with Cena. I, I, Cena needs to be that champ the 16-time champ that goes out putting somebody else over the right way and doing it with Bray after beating him six years ago at, at 30, this would be a fantastic sort of swan song for, for John Cena. And I, I really hope this is finally we're, we're going to e- either give him his 17th or let's move along, like one of the two. And I think we're going to get the move along right here. So we'll see. Uh, that's we'll what see. I'm amped about. Uh. As I was saying, what about Roman and Goldberg? We had Roman Reigns giving an interview about his uh, his match with Goldberg, where he basically said, "I worked too hard for this. Goldberg's a part timer, et cetera, et cetera." Did it seem a little bit like old Roman's coming back, kind of the uh, the arrogant 
aggressive Roman, or was that just me? No, I loved this. Okay. I really liked this. Uh, I, I felt like I was hearing real Roman. Mm. Not a scripted promo. Not a mmm. Not a mmm. Kind of some of that now stuff. That, now that I'm here, I'm not bound to anybody. Duck lips. But, that's, but that's what he said, though, is the thing. Is it some of the verbiage? It, I felt him. I mm, felt okay. Roman in this promo. <laughs> Hashtag phrasing, Nick. Oh, my. You know what I mean. I you do. Know, it, and it's, there, there was a lot that came through in this promo, and I'm I'm all for it. What I don't like is Michael Cole already, the spear versus spear. Goldberg versus the big dog. I just Stop calling it spear versus spear. It's a match between two big dudes. Let them beat each other up. They have more than one move, kind of. Uh, <laughs> not the way Vince is going to book this match. It's not going to be. It's going to be like everyone eating 10 spears and kicking out. A spear off. Oh God. <laughs> there's more uh, spear. There's more spears than a bushel of asparagus. Oh God. So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. This, this feels to me like, again, they're building a buffet for WrestleMania. This is the match that's for the kids, the part-time fans, the one, the nostalgic people for Goldberg. You know what I mean? This is this is the this is that dish over there. Fine. And they're, they're building towards it in that way. Cool. Didn't get me the way that the Bray Cena thing is, but that's why they make so many different kinds of matches at WrestleMania. Everyone gets something in the smorgasbord. Yep. Uh Nick, what I'm really pleasantly surprised about is where things are going with Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. Mm-hmm. They're they're buds now. Daniel Bryan came to Drew Gulak and said, You you impressed me. And I want to, I want to, I want us to collaborate and learn from each other now. So they look like they're buddying up. What? What? And then uh, poor Sami Zayn, he's trying to get an interview backstage with him and his boys, and he can't get it. So ultimately, we get Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro in the ring, uh, which was obviously great. Anytime Daniel Bryan and Cesaro get to work together, it's just mm, with Daniel Bryan, uh, or sorry, with Gulak, his his Mickey in the corner. He's like, yeah, as a coach, yeah, <laughs> with his interesting. Track suit on. Okay, so he. Uh, Interesting. And he's, he's called out Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. He exposed some of the weaknesses of Daniel Bryan in the match, and now he's coaching Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan recognized that actually he did expose some weaknesses of mine. Maybe he can coach me to close those gaps. Yeah, right. And oh, I love this. On the way out, Daniel Bryan's like, "Well, there's no, yeah, there's no crowd here to do the yes movement uh, point. Like, I'm, I guess I just won't do it." And Gulak's like, "No, no, no, do it with me." And they both do it together. And I was like, "Okay, uh, yeah, interesting." So what is what I I I love this because I don't know where it's going and it's unexpected, completely yeah. unexpected. Out if you'd have told me two weeks ago, Daniel Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak are going to be teaming up and Gulak's going to be super over, I would have been shocked. But here we are. Here we what, are. What is the what is the end game here? What's the goal here? Uh, I, right, no I, that's, that's gonna. That's where I'm coming. I'm like, what? Just, this what? is. I'm. I'm just eating my popcorn, watching two <laughs> masterful technicians of the game just do their thing, and I, I couldn't be more entertained. I'm. I'm absolutely loving this. Oh my God, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro in a legit technician match. Put Gulak yeah. aside for a second. We got Daniel Bryan and Cesaro in a match, in a yeah. legit match where they went ham on each other, and yeah, give me more Beautiful. of this. Beautiful. Just absolutely awesome. The fact that Gulak was ringside was icing on the cake, and that all the story is going on. Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, two of the best to to do it. Yeah, 
Put it in my love, eye holes. I love that Cesaro tweeted out, if you told me 10 years ago that Daniel Bryan and I would be wrestling in front of nobody in 2020, I would have said, it's believable, just not in WWE. Right. So, yeah, very, very funny and ironic. Um, I guess the only other question I have is, is Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Nakamura didn't talk about Braun Strowman once. Braun wasn't there. Is that in the rear view, or is this just put on hiatus for right now because of everything else that's going on? Like, are yeah. we going to get back around to Braun come WrestleMania? Or are they pivoting to something else? What's what? Or is Daniel Bryan going to go for the IC belt? What's happening? Where are we going here? I, I don't know. They haven't given us any any indication of what to think. I can't believe that we wouldn't have Braun coming back to try to get it back. Yeah. But I mean, that's the obvious answer. But I wouldn't be mad at, at Daniel Bryan trying to go for the Intercontinental. I, right. I, I That would feel terrible for Braun because he got just, jumped all over again. Yeah. They've There's a lot of wedding. stuff on this show where it was either very obvious where things are going. Or obviously, like we don't want to, we can't, we can't do anything right now because our hands are tied on certain things. I'm wondering yeah. if this is that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, one thing that was I, I thought kind of both of those things was, as you mentioned, Bailey and Sasha had a match with uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They set up two things here with this match. There was the match, which was fine, but uh, one. You had Sasha and Bailey calling out Paige. I guess Paige was supposed to be on the show. Couldn't make it because of travel issues. And they're now calling out Paige. I don't know where this Paige beef came from. They didn't really explain it very well. But what do you think is up with Paige and Bailey and Paige and Sasha having beef? Where is that going? Because Paige called them out on backstage. Right. Said that Bailey wasn't a good champ. All right, that's where that came from. What what is the end goal here? Paige can't wrestle anymore. No. Is she going to be on someone's side? Is she going to be? Is it going to be like Paige in uh, Lacey Evans's corner versus Bailey with Sasha in her corner at WrestleMania? Like, what's where 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 are we going with this? As far as I'm concerned, I have no idea. Um, the the what what is going to transpire with Paige? Like, all we have to go on really is what she said on backstage. Yeah, which is which was nothing. And then this match, I think we were all a little stunned and shocked at the opening of SmackDown last night. Paige wasn't even in my purview for SmackDown last night. Like I was just so mesmerized and weirded out, yeah. especially at the beginning of what this experience was like that I didn't even think of the word Paige. So I was I, I was watching this. Where do we go with from here with her? I don't know. I don't know. I, Nick, Nick, go Ian Booking. Hey, Let's do it. Page is managing Nia Jax. <laughs> sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's talk about the other thing that happened before before Nick starts crying blood. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors. Oscar uh, was there. Kyrie was not, but Oscar came out dancing to the ring wonderfully. She is an absolute gem. Uh, the we call don't there Asuka. was Triple H on commentary going. Nobody saw her because she snuck in through the crowd. And if you missed that, shame on you. But it was brilliant. I, I did. He did. He had so many brilliant. of those. Were just like little one-liners that were poking fun at the whole thing. Um, just, just blurring, <laughs> blurring the kayfabe. I love it. Oscar uh, comes out, gets involved, costs Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross the match. They want Kabuki Warriors for the tag team title. So yeah, that's happening. That's and then, that's and then that, dance the back up the ramp. Of course. I guess she, she because thought she's she was awesome. still in the elimination chamber. Because she's just, awesome. Just kept going back and forth. Uh, uh, y'all know I think Asuka is the best. This just confirmed it one more time. 
Yeah. Uh, we also had Jeff Hardy versus Baron Corbin because not everything could be good on this show. But Jeff Hardy's back. He also interrupted Sami Zayn trying to get an interview. Uh, he said he's back. He's got more stuff to do in the WWE. He got some new tattoo work. Awesome. Welcome back, Jeff Hardy. Beats Baron Corbin clean in the middle of the ring with a twist of fury and a, uh, I guess, a what? A twist of fury is what is they it? called it. I don't know if twist of fate belongs to Matt or what happened there. But, uh, yeah, then a swanton bomb. But uh, that was only because Baron Corbin got distracted by Elias, who was on commentary and started strumming his guitar right as Baron was about to hit an end of days on Jeff. So, yeah, it looks like Corbin versus Elias is happening. Yay. Uh, is, is that, uh, is that going to be a match at WrestleMania or just a segment? What do you think? Uh, either way, it'll be on the pre-show. Either way, I doubt Nobody cares. No, it'll be the it'll be the pee break at yeah. about two thirds. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. Uh, Mojo Raleigh, not a salmon's colored suit, but definitely bright pink, came out to the announce desk and uh, said that all the rumors about Gronk are true. Gronkowski has not signed any papers yet, but he will be on SmackDown next week. What? Huh? What? Damn, that moved quickly. Uh, and then Mojo began to began shaking Michael Cole viciously and screaming at him, are you hype, Michael Cole? And then Triple H uh, got involved as well. Um, I got to say right now, Mojo Raleigh is going to be the most overfaced for me ever if he just abuses Michael Cole like this every time he comes out. Yeah, that was, I, I was just like, this is, this is beautiful. It's, it's, it's just on the edge of like actual hazing, but you can tell that they are just having so much fun. And my Michael Cole is like, okay, this is like this is not what I'm used to. I'm trying to be professional, and these bastards are trying to make me crack. It was just, it was beautiful. What did you? What about this Gronk news, though, Nick? Uh, do we look at this as a cameo of sorts? Do we look at this as a Stephen Amell or a Mike Tyson or something like that? Some bigger athlete, uh, pro athlete figure coming in uh, and doing a cameo or two. Or are we looking at this like he signed a three-year deal like uh, Ronda Rousey? Well, that's what he's saying. He hasn't signed anything yet. I understand. Good- but, I mean, that's I, 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 need, I need to know so that I can make some judgments on this because I'm fine with it if it's just like a cameo or a one-off. Or you were asking about what's Braun going to do. I have a hunch Braun's going to be working with him. If you're going to sign Gronk, then just say so. Need to know. I need to know. Wow, break of the Tom Petty. Just saying. Nice. Hell yeah, man. If you're going to sign Gronk, let us know. Or is he just going to be, uh, as you said, kind of a a celebrity, interesting celebrity to have around for WrestleMania? Yeah. And then Gronk, ha- and he's going to help uh, Mojo win a match against a returning Jinder Mahal or something. I don't know. I, I it, it would be bizarre to me for them to throw Gronkowski into the ring without any training, but not out of the realm of possibility because it's WWE. Two weeks out of Mania. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Maybe. I don't know. Uh, finally, let's see. Finally, yeah, Miz and Morrison introduced that, as we said, the entire Elimination Chamber tag match. They're confident. They're cocky. They got their tag titles. I have no idea who's going to be facing them at WrestleMania. And that was the show. Um, I loved their work here. I think they were brilliant. I thought them, if you, if you don't think, cheer if you don't think that Miz and Morrison are the best tag team in the world. Silence. What? Silence. Yeah. yeah, and I love I love the way Triple that they H. were playing into it. 
But then Triple H was saying like, oh yeah, they were great in front of an empty arena. It, it was the same kind of sound they're used to hearing or something like that. You know, he's <laughs> right. busting their balls too. So yeah, it was, this was again, another, another moment on this show where they did something entertaining, uh, you know, when they had, <laughs> they had their backs up against the wall. So honestly, I really do want to re- reiterate this. We bust WWE's balls a lot when they put on crappy SmackDowns. Yeah. This was wild entertaining. And uh, with the circumstances, it would it obviously sucked for them. Um, and props to them for really actually like going to bat and doing their best to entertain, um, in, in given these circumstances. So I, I agree with that. I think uh, kudos to them for experimenting with this and for pulling it off in the way that they did. It was jarring. It was, uh, but I mean, in the beginning especially. But by the time we got to the end, between the Roman interview, between Miz and Morrison after the Elimination Chamber, and really di- sending it home with Cena and Bray in the way that they did, I mean, just good lord, how could you not love this? Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And you know, I mean. I, we're, we're going to be doing this for a few more weeks, it seems, because Raw is going to be at the Performance Center. AEW said they're going to be at Jacksonville. Maybe. Maybe. If maybe. they get to do it at all. So, I yeah, don't know. They're, they're it's it's going to be too. weird for a few weeks, guys. Just So, just hang in there. Give WWE a little bit of credit for the show must go on and they continue to yeah. do things. Don't don't over be sure to don't don't be too overly critical because they're doing the best with what they can yeah. working around state and local governments and their restrictions that they're putting in. Uh, stocking the PC with toilet paper must be a chore right now. So, <laughs> who knows? There's all kinds of weird stuff happening in the world, but at the end of the day, WWE I'm giving them a two thumbs up and a thank you for not just going, "Eh, we'll just do 2 hours of video packages and recaps from Elimination Chamber. Exactly. We'll, we'll play everything exactly. leading up to Mania for the next three weeks. They they could just sit on their heels and just you know make the money from their their TV ratings, but instead they're actually going out there and trying to do something. So so I should be commended. Them. Should be yeah. commended for that. Agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, we're gonna head over and do our moment of positivity. Yeah. Moment Sorry, Dangerous. What was your moment of positivity for this week in professional Man, wrestling? I I love that we do this. We try to find something that, that makes us happy from the week yeah. to just end the show on a, on, a, on an up note. Uh, I you know it's it's I could easily say any moment like seeing Lance Arch in the crowd or or you know uh, that that Johnny Gargano promo or John Cena and Bray Wyatt. I'm gonna actually say it was Triple H. Yeah. For two hours. He was having so much fun, was, was bringing like that, on, on one hand, the levity and the playfulness and the kind of the jocularity and also just the uh, kind of the winking at the fans and really just, you know, fulfilling all, everything that we wanted to see on the show. And at the same time, turning around and being very serious and addressing how serious the situation was and, uh, and giving a sense of gravity to it. Um, just everything that he brought to that show uh, was touching and fun and funny. And, you know, the cynical part of me wants to say, well, he was getting himself over. Well, he was towing the company line. Uh, well, they were just trying to, you know, ingratiate themselves. But I, I, I want to quiet that side down and say, dude, he went out there and entertained us for two hours and he didn't have to. Yeah. So that 
made me really happy and, and left me with a positive feeling in my stomach. So yeah. that's mine. What about you, sir? What was your moment of positivity? Uh, I want to piggyback on yours a little bit and say the sure. fact that uh, for the beginning here, as an honorable mention of sorts, we got to see DX Triple H again. We got to see the antics and the things that made us fall in love with him initially in the Attitude Era sort of resurface. And we got to see that fun-hearted side of Triple H again when we've pretty much been inundated with Authority Era Triple H in a suit and with his golden shovel for the last 15 or so years. But it was fun to see the things that made us kind of fall in love with DX uh, in the late 90s all over again. All of their pranks and antics and things that Triple H and Shawn Michaels would do. Him and Shawn in the, in the mid-2000s, yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. That same kind of sense of humor. Um, and just ribbing Michael Cole, and for Michael Cole for being just a good sport. Um, so, yeah, I'll piggyback on yours and say that was the thing, that him holding a camera and telling Michael Cole that how does he even still have a job? <laughs> or him doing Michael Cole's makeup at the one point. Uh, just, oh man, just so good. Uh, mine was 100% uh, Bray Wyatt. Woo! The seeing someone have the freedom, huh. the permission, yeah. and the ability to go out and do what he did right there, we have not seen in an age. <laughs> Seriously. In an age of man. In, a, in an age. Yeah. Right? We have not seen that in a really long time. To deliver a fight. You aptly called it a monologue. He was doing mm. that for... I went and timed it. Over five minutes. Five he minutes. Was, he was going And on. just clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle. No stutters. Always had, no stammers. Always had, his, his intentions were set the entire time. Um, if you've ever done monologue classes or acting classes, what he did was very impressive. Yeah. There are people that pay thousands of dollars to do black box theater on Santa Monica Boulevard every year at the theater fest, whatever they call yeah. that, uh, that couldn't hold a candle to what he just did in five minutes. Sure. And props to John Cena, too, because cutting a promo like the one he cut is not easy either. And, of course, no. that's what he's made his name on. He's, he's really good at cutting those long, fierce promos. But a promo is a promo. Yes. Right? It's a, it's a style. Um, monologues are harder. You have to go to more places. You've got more levels to what you're doing, um, I would argue. And Bray definitely had several levels to what he was doing here. Plus, um, there's more happening upstairs. You're thinking about how you're trying to make the other person react. Um, Johnson is not trying to make another character react to him. Bray Wyatt was trying to make another character react to him. So that was a bit of a difference Right there. So I agree. Bray Bray was superlative here. Dusty would be proud, Bray. Dusty, Dusty would Dusty be proud. Dusty would be very, very proud indeed. Yes, though. As, as, uh, <laughs> so would Eli Cottonwood. Anyway, never mind. Uh, old stuff. Never mind. Uh, Huffketh. <laughs> Husky, whatever his name was. Husky Harris. Yeah. Husky Harris, thank you. With Eli Cottonwood. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you uh, for hanging out. Oh, God, we're not done yet. Oh, God. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. All right. It seems kind of silly to do this this week, but, yeah, the ratings came out. AEW won again, 776,000 to NXT, 697,000. So everyone down all over, uh, 0.26 for AEW in the 18 to 49, 0.21 for NXT. Um, NXT just barely beating them in the fifth, over 50 again. But, uh, yeah, it, it's these days, and probably in the weeks going forward, ratings are going to be kind of irrelevant because it's not going to be accurate uh, because, obviously, it's not, things aren't normal. 
So I don't, I, I'm going to still keep reporting them because it's kind of interesting to see how things fluctuate in this time of crisis. But, um, yeah, it's obviously they're, they're not going to be looking at it. I don't think any of the business people behind it are going to be looking at it and saying this is indicative of how well our brand is doing. So um, Triple H mentioned it on SmackDown, but uh, there is a rumor out there that his new uh, what business title that they're calling him now uh, was a demotion, a quiet demotion. Because he's no longer in charge of general talent and talent negotiations. He's primarily in charge of selling NXT TV rights and expanding the NXT brand. So he's not in charge of acquiring talent. He's now just basically, you're just NXT dude. Um, obviously, Triple H was poking fun at it, which you could either take as him trying to defuse the situation or as him making fun of you know the internet. Not group. being happy about it. <laughs> We're not being happy about it. Who knows? Uh, there's lots of different ways you could take it. Uh, all we know is that that is the perception, uh, at least from certain members of the wrestling press. Luther, you've seen a little bit on AEW, the international deathmatch specialist and best friend of Chris Jericho, yes. has signed officially with AEW. He will now be a backstage producer and also uh, talent, which he's already been doing. So expect Even outside of the Nightmare Collective. Yeah, he's, he's sticking around. Okay. He's not going anywhere. Jericho got his boy a job, basically. And, uh, yeah, so we expect to see more of Luther around. Or not, you'd maybe see his handiwork and not know that that's what you're seeing. But Luther now officially with AEW. Uh, if you've been watching NXT UK, it's been a lot of fun lately. Uh, if, you, if you wonder where Finn Balor went, well, that's where he went. He went back to the UK, and he's now working NXT UK. He's actually building a, pro, a program with, with Walter right now. Uh, which is very interesting. I, I, I'm not going to lie, Nick. I'm not sure who to cheer for in this. Because <laughs> Finn's been heel. Walter's kind of heel. I think everyone's kind of taken Walter's side on this. But uh, at any rate, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of reinvigorating NXT UK. Uh, this week, Finn beat Alexander Wolf. But uh, yeah, go check it out. Uh, 205 Live also aired this week at the Empty Performance Center. The real reason to check it out is there was a 10-man tag team elimination match with Isaiah Swerve Scott, Tyler Breeze, Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan, and Kushida on one team. And the other team was Tony Nese, Mike Kanellis, the Brian Kendrick, Aria Davari, and Gentleman Jack Gallagher. It came down... I'll, spoilers, because I don't think anyone's going to watch 205 Live. Came down to Gentleman Jack Gallagher versus Swerve Scott and Kushida at the end, and the finish was awesome. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, By the so, way, did you get to see the Mastiff Walter match? I did not. You were, you were traveling it. this week, but I was traveling. Go, go watch I, that I, one. I heard two, it was... Two big, sweaty, meaty boys. I know. That was right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you haven't watched that match, man. go watch that match. I know a lot of people sleep on NXT UK from time to time, but definitely go check that one out and what that's Finn's a, doing. That's a meat slapping. Yes. Uh, and let's see... Tom Lawler, filthy Tom Lawler, has announced that he will be getting back into MMA. He's been working over in MLW uh, and also working in other indies, but he's going back to MMA. He, is go he signed a deal with the Professional Fighters League. Uh, he's competing to, to win $1 million. They're actually doing a uh, almost like a tournament. Uh, the, there's a, if you keep winning, you get into the playoffs, an eight-person single elimination tournament. And you compete twice in one night if you to advance to the finals. If you win the finals this coming New Year's Eve, at the end of the year, you take home $1 million. 
dollars. So he doesn't know when his first date will be, but Tom Lawler getting back into shoot fighting. So if you know anything about him, the dude is a bad man. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that comes around. And finally, JR on his podcast admitted that he was wrong about his first perception of Orange Cassidy. Uh, he has come around and says, you know, I didn't, I didn't get it at first. I didn't get the gimmick. I didn't think he had the size or the look. But after seeing him for weeks and then finally seeing that match with Pac and the way he worked it and how he worked his gimmick, how his gimmick actually works and how he basically stays within his own rules that he sets for himself and is able to make it work, he is now 100% in on Orange Cassidy. Um, and he says he was one of those guys that would have argued against him at first, but he's now come to the opposite side and is now proselytizing for Orange Cassidy. So good job, JR, for admitting when you're wrong. Uh, and that is the news, Nick. That is the news. Well, thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous, and thank you guys for hanging out with us for this big epic two-hour show covering all of the week's haps with the graps. Come over and hang out with us on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Send us a join request to get into the discussion group and like our page. Uh, you can get into all kinds of fun stuff like watch parties, memes, uh, fun news that happens throughout the week, as well as find links to all of our social media stuff there and at bwopodcast.com. Uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, it is in the description down below this video. Make sure you're getting into our Discord as well. It's one of the most fun, fascinating places that happens all throughout the week as we watch all of the shows live. We have live chats happening all throughout every show uh, all throughout the week, including dedicated channels for pay-per-views. So you can avoid spoilers if you want to, all that good stuff. It helps us keep them out of the group, uh, the discussion group as well. And it doesn't make Sheriff McDonald drink more, which is always a good thing. Thank you for helping keep him sane in advance. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, including don't go anywhere yet. If you're watching live on YouTube, we'll be right back with our patron mailbag series that we do as a dedicated series that we used to call listener questions, but we now have it broken out into its own dedicated dedicated show but make sure you're subscribed at youtube.com slash busted wide open and get in on some of that we are on that race to a thousand subscribers every single one counts we've hit all the milestones we need except mm. that one so we can start doing some more if all the magic unlocks when you make youtube partner and you get these these uh milestones all checked off so please help us get there uh our show will grow exponentially from there i promise you uh, last but certainly not least, speaking of the patron mailbag, we could not do that show without our patrons sending us questions every single week. To do that, you need to be at least the $5 tier over at patreon.com slash BWO. You get a copy of the show notes for every episode, the ability to ask those listener questions, all at just $5 a month. It's a fantastic tier. It's a great way to support the show. It's the best way to support the show, frankly. But at the $10 tier, you get bonus episodes every month. You get all kinds of sweet swag, Skype calls with Nick and Sir Ian at the higher levels, all kinds of good exclusive benefits at patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com